This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. We are all gathered. Yes, it's Monday morning, but we are here nonetheless. It's been an extended weekend for me. I wanted to, I wanted to take an extended weekend. Sure. Well, to celebrate you... President Lincoln's birthday today. Yeah, as we were in Is court. that really why, or is it because you spoke for about 10 hours the other I night? I spoke for two and a half hours the other night, and it's exhausting. Not the speaking, but the whole event. So then Saturday, then Sunday, we had a really early morning meeting where I got to get up and get all of my three boys to a 7 a.m. meeting. I love how you said got to get up. Yeah. You, you, you were blessed. privileged we to were do We were blessed it. to get up at, 7 a, at 6 a.m. to get them all ready for a 7 a.m. meeting. And what life-changing information we shared there, Actually, Matt? we learned a lot of really great stuff about really? technology. What? And how to use technology oh. more effectively in our families. Gotcha. Fascinating stuff, actually. Which usually the underwriting line there is put it away. That's really – it's a very good rule. Yeah. Just put it away. No one, like, embraces the technology. It's always like, No, but, no, but this was different. This was actually a very different meeting. Like, they actually told us all to bring our technology. I didn't read that part of the, the email that they sent. Right. But, so – I brought my phone, but my kids didn't bring their phones. Of course. They're just going to play on them. So, but they wanted us to get our phones out and use them during the meeting. We had one Fascinating. Of, we had one of these meetings. They wanted us to use our phones and then log into this service that made sort of like a group text situation uh-huh. so that it would show up on their computer that was connected to the overhead yeah. screen. Then you could ask questions. Yeah. Well, you're just opening that for all sorts of yeah, that's, shenanigans. Yeah, that's Maybe not well thought out. And they said, please don't do this. And, of course, people did it. And it's and they, they had, like, uh, people had figured out aliases in, like, five minutes. So you <laughs> couldn't even see who it was. It was crazy. It was nuts. See, this is, this is how it works. So then I'm up early Sunday, and then you kind of go all day Sunday. And then uh, last night it just hit me. And I felt, the, I, I felt a cold hitting me. Mm. I still feel it. You know that feeling where you can kind of feel like your lungs are starting to work something up? No. Oh, yeah. little sinus headache. Maybe it's every, and everyone around me is coughing and, you know, sniffling. And You've hmm. been describing the man flu. I think I've got the man flu. Blah! And it's not, it's not pretty. It's, it's, ah. Uh... Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, it doesn't sound pretty either. I'm... Maybe you Thank need you. a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need a, I need like a medical doctor. Right. I mean, I'm a doctor myself. Well, you know, a doctor. You were an EMT. Yeah. It's close enough. You could I, self-diagnose. I could put myself in an ambulance if I needed such a thing. So Incubate if needed. Yeah. So there's that. Then it's like, do we watch? I really wanted to watch a movie last night, and my wife mm. kept saying, let's watch the Olympics. Mm. And I'm like. Can't you can't you have the Olympics on and you're just sort of watching Netflix on your phone off to the side, or does she want to like interact and have a no, conversation? The reality is, she says she wants. She does this oh. all the time. She's yeah, yeah. A, she's kind of a trickster this way. Hmm. Hey, let's watch let's watch the Olympics. So I finally get the Olympics on, and the next thing you know, she's walking all over the house. Not watching. Not watching any of it. And ends up you're watching something yeah. you didn't want to watch. So then I yeah. just decided I'm just going to watch a little bit of The Office. 
my wife does the same thing. She just falls asleep. Yeah. And hmm. then I'm looking over like, why are my, I don't even care. What do we, so right. I stop but it. But if I, if I put on something yeah. that I wanted her to watch, that's where she falls. She'd fall asleep there. Like if we were going to watch something together. What, kill, what gets me though, I turn off whatever it is and my wife's dead asleep, but hears it change and knows I've just turned off her show. And she's like, what'd you do that for? I was watching that. <laughs> No, honey, you were asleep. You really weren't. That's why it's let me give you some <laughs> let me give you some elderly advice on this. You film, always film them. Pull out your phone, oh, okay. shoot some video of them sleeping. Proof. Watch while you're watching the show. Yeah. And then they can't is they it, can't talk. Is this smack. the marriage counselor mm-hmm. in you helping me with the situation? The phone, video like and um it's a some great blackmail tool. here is what it sounds no, like. No, it's not blackmail. It's just <laughs> You were sleeping. Don't pretend like you were watching because this is the last five minutes of how you've been watching this. I always ask her to tell me what just happened on the show. She can't do it. So that's good. Yeah. That's I mean that's one way to end a marriage. Um <laughs> if you're looking for ways, you shouldn't be for heaven's sakes. Right. So you know. Because this is hour number two of the show, some people are thinking, well, what happened to hour number one? If you weren't with us, you just go look it up. Go to byuradio.org, go to iTunes, yeah. go to TuneIn, go to Stitcher. It's well, everywhere. Like Terry's wife, they were snoozing, they were snoozing. during the first hour. You snooze, you lose, but you can always go back on our show and pick See, up the last In the hour. olden days, it was just gone. Yeah. You missed it. Just done. But now, give us a couple hours, we'll have it posted, and you can listen to it. See how this works. It's going to be great. It's so good. So uh, let's get to the rest of the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to? White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney appeared on CBS News on Sunday. He talked about President Trump's continued confidence in Chief of Staff John Kelly. This comes amid reports the President is unhappy with Kelly's handling of this of last week's resignation of two White House staffers, Rob Porter and David Sorensen, who were accused of domestic abuse by their ex-wives. Mulvaney said the West Wing continues to function. It functions well. I hear that I'm being considered for replacing the chief of staff, and you'd think that someone would have mentioned that to me, he continued, averting that uh, Trump believes Kelly's doing a great job. Mulvaney also addressed the situation with Porter and Sorensen, denying that there is a lax attitude towards domestic violence in the White House. The LA Times uh, had this to report. It says, over and over again, the past few days, various White House aides have buttonholed reporters to tell them that they think Kelly either lied to them or tried to get them to lie about what he knew and when he knew it. Really? That's like the big thing going on right now is that Kelly's trying to put out this alternate story that says he fired him within 40 minutes of knowing, not like two or three days later, and then he actually resigned. He didn't get fired. You know, yeah. Whatever. Okay. All it comes down to is, as you pointed out with previous discussions we've had they mismanage the message it's yeah you gotta be the, so disciplined this is a horrible situation but later on you know like when the nation's in a crisis yeah how are we managing the message then can america listen to the white house and get the right and information trust, right. And, you know, yeah, all that stuff yeah involved with that Autopsy results have been released for Stephen Paddock, the gunman who killed 58 people and wounded 500 more in the mass Las Vegas shooting in October. Did it help? Did they find out anything? No. They, they found that a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Of course, they knew that when they walked in the room. Uh, they also found that he had anti-anxiety medication in his system at the time of his death, which is, you know, something mm. a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, authorities said it did not shed light on his motive for the attack. It seems that based on the autopsy reports, there were no physical excuses for what he did. Um, and his brother says we may never understand why he did this. Yeah. Uh, Which means conspiracy theories. Right. Because that's what happens. When there's no answer, that means they're hiding something. Here it comes. It's already started. It's already happening. Unilever, the world's second biggest marketer 
our marketing spender is threatening to pull its advertising from digital platforms such as Google and Facebook if they create division, foster hate, or fail to protect children. This out of the Financial Times. Hmm. Unilever CEO Kenneth Weed, or Keith Weed, is uh, speaking at the Interactive Advertising Bureau Conference on Monday. Uh, the company shared portions of his speech ahead of time. So two key quotes. Unilever will not invest in platforms or environments that do not protect our children or which create division in society and promote anger or hate. We will prioritize investing in only in responsible platforms that are committed to cre- uh, creating a positive impact on society. Oh. So don't put our ads next to, you know, junk, basically is what they're saying. As one of the largest advertisers in the world, we cannot have an environment where our consumers don't trust what they see online. We cannot continue to prop up a digital supply chain, one that delivers over a quarter of our advertising to our customers, which at times is a little better than a swamp in terms of transparency. Wow. So if you want all of our millions and millions and millions, you need to clean up your act, Facebook and Google. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Because now you've got... I mean, this is this is big money. Unilever soap and household products and all kinds of stuff. And they're like, if you want it, you have to, you know, clean up your act. And Facebook and Google have been slow to react when it comes to, you know, stuff that, I mean, there's videos and articles and all kinds of clickbaity type things that are out there. And they just, they keep saying they want to clean it up, but it keeps showing up. Yeah. It's like, fix your system. Finally, Russian security officers have arrested several scientists working at a top-secret Russian nuclear warhead facility for allegedly mining cryptocurrencies. (laughs) The suspects had tried to use one of Russia's most powerful supercomputers to mine Bitcoin. Oh, boy. The Federal uh, Nuclear Center in Western Russia is a restricted area. The supercomputer was not supposed to be connected to the Internet because their supercomputer, other countries... Want to put, you know, malware and different programs yeah, into it to yeah. find out what they're doing with their super secret weapons program. Right. Mm. But the the scientists hooked it up to the Internet because they want to mine Bitcoin because it was at one point twenty thousand dollars a Bitcoin. <laughs> now it's like six thousand dollars. But still, they're mining Bitcoin. Uh, so they, they said to prevent, uh, so one scientist attempted to once they attempted to connect it, the center's security department was alerted. The uh, the the. Uh, scientists were handed over, it says, handed over to the Federal Security Service, which is the FSB, which is their FBI, CIA, intelligence groups, the Russian News Service says, the official PR group for this facility, which is funny, it's a secret facility, it's not on any map, there's several miles of, like, restricted zone all around this area. Yeah, it's protected. But they have a PR agency that that discusses (laughs) stuff with the media. Judy and PR will take care of it. And they said, (laughs) as far as they know, they have been arrested. Okay. I, which is, by the way, that's a very matter of, that's like, that's as, that's as succinct as they're going to get. That is as I, I, I don't, sure as they can be. I don't think the situation that they have been arrested is at issue. It's what has happened since. As far as we they're know. They're not sure where they're at. What they're their really taking care of the situation people. is, where, the, you know, so. It was very ominous. You're like, whoa. <laughs> that actually seems like the big downside to the cryptocurrency world, though, right, is that Russia could or anybody, hmm. could just dedicate an entire spy agency to go get all that money. Get all the Bitcoin, yeah. The problem is that when it was first started with Bitcoin, you could do it in your house. Yeah. But apparently as people keep using it, it becomes more and more difficult to actually create a Bitcoin. 
So you need more and more computing power. And it becomes just hugely – so you need like – you can't just do it on your PC at home. Right. You have to have a – as I said, a supercomputer really help with the computations. It's a math formula that they're, they're, they're going through to create a Bitcoin. And so you also need – you need a computer that's hugely powerful and all the power. Mm. There's places in China where people are setting up next to hydroelectric plants. Oh, tapping yeah. in so they can have enough power, you know. I don't think I will ever That's a big deal. understand Bitcoin, it's, ever. It's bonkers. Even I've listened to multiple people try to – we've had people on the show try to explain it. Yeah. And I, you're like, okay. <laughs> that sounds like, you know, clear as mud. I, I don't know that you're supposed to understand it. No. I, my mind just always goes to the coins that you collect in Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like that. Is it? Yeah, or, or it's got to be somehow related. I think it's very close to Mario coins. <laughs> as long as it makes that noise, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested. And then there's the bit mushroom, too. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. there's a mushroom that'll come up that if you hit the mushroom, special powers come upon you. Yeah. Look for that, too. Don't eat the one with, like, the skull and the crossbones no. on it, though. That's a bad shroom. So uh, <laughs> let's get to some other news. Um, the news, the lesser known news. Jeff, what if uh, I know you're always trying to track down some news for us. What, what, what should we be focused well, on? Well, since we're in the midst of the Olympic Games, I thought it would be fun to do some Matt Libs, but Olympic edition. Oh, excellent. All right. So A I'm, game. I'm going to give you yeah. uh, the eight sports okay. that are no longer in existence. <sighs> I better get my pen ready. Okay? Okay. And two of them were never in existence at the Olympics. So there's eight sports that are no longer in existence, except two of those eight actually have never existed as an Olympic event. Correct. Okay. All right. So the first one we have— Why don't we we go for 20 next time? (laughs) Okay. We've never done more than eight. All right. Um, The first one is one I'm sure you're very familiar with. You've probably played in it before. Tug of War. Tug of war at the Olympic Games. Are we talking the Winter Olympics? I'm not specifying whether it's winter or summer. Okay. Just saying at the Olympics. Okay. Tug, Tug of, of war, war yes. would be the first one. Okay. There's a game called Roke. 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 It's, it's kind of like croquet, except there is a wall that you can use to bounce the balls off of. Okay. Roke. 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 Okay. There's distance... Plunging. Would you like to know what this is? Not really, but I guess I need to. (laughs) Distance plunging, you jump into the water, and instead of trying to swim really fast or trying to not make a big splash, you jump in the water and you just see how far your body will carry with the water without moving a muscle. So how deep you can go into the water. And once you can no longer breathe, that's when you come up out of the water. Not how deep, but you just you go you're close to the surface of the water yeah. and you kind of just you just let it flow. Coast. All right. Wow. So that's distance plunging. Okay. There's synchronized pie eating. Synchronized pie eating. So most pie eating competitions that you would participate in, you're trying to see who can eat the most the highest number of pies, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. This one, you are trying to mimic the pie consumption of your uh, partner. My wife last night was saying how much she loves synchronized sports. Okay. So this would that would be It a could be could be a real one. favorite for her. There's the horse long jump. Mm. Which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You're doing a long jump but with a jockey on a horse. Okay. 
Okay. Boy, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> We've got distance spitting. Okay. Distance spitting, again, exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you're just trying to get the saliva from your mouth to project as far as it possibly can. These are the eight um, Olympic game activities that used to be in the Olympics. Two of these happen to be fake. Correct. Okay. We've got solo synchronized swimming. Solo synchronized swimming. So synchronized swimming with one person. Okay. Okay. Who are they? <laughs> Who are they syncing with? I'm not going to tell you. A coach on the sideline. But line? it's solo synchronized swimming and then the last one 100 meter freestyle for sailors. 100 meter freestyle. Uh, so again, very similar to 100 meter freestyle. Yeah. But uh, you can only participate in it if you're a sailor. <laughs> do you want to answer those now or do you want to think about it and Let's... then we can come back to it later? Um, you probably probably just want to figure it out. Now. I probably just want it's just one of those things you just want to get out of your system. What are you trying to say? Um, okay, so here's the way this is going to roll. Uh, tug of war absolutely was in. Roke, I'm going to say, was in. I'm going to bet distant pledging was even in. I would say horse long jumping was in. Distant spitting was in. So i got to get rid of one more. Okay, 100-meter freestyle for sailors. So the two that weren't was solo synchronized swimming and synchronized pie eating. What? <laughs> no. I'll, 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 I'll help you feel a little better about yourself. Okay. One of those was correct. So synchronized pie eating was not an Olympic sport. Yes. However, solo synchronized swimming was... How? It started out as that, and then once people realized how ridiculous it was, they quickly added more people. It's, it was meant to be synchronized to music. Oh. But people just thought it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, distance plunging was a thing, so it was ridiculed for its lack of athleticism. Oh, yeah. And Gerald Barnes... I have no idea who that is, suggested it favored mere mountains of fat who <laughs> fall in the water more or less successfully and depend upon inertia to get their points for them. Yeah. And then for the 100-meter freestyle for sailors, only three men from Greece entered. They all swam very slowly. They all <laughs> finished on the podium. And that was the end of that. So distance spitting was not a thing. Wow. <laughs> but some of these are so ridiculous, it sounds like it could very well be thing. Distance plunging is okay. Distance spitting, not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, if if distance Mess. plunging were a sport, then everybody would be amazing at it. Oh, yeah. Just well, yeah. don't move for 60 seconds. <laughs> you get a gold medal. Not everyone would be great at it. Right, like your wife. Your wife. It's you mentioned that she's always got to be moving. Yes. Tried to watch a show with her, yeah. a show that she suggested. Yep. The Olympics. Yep. She couldn't do it. No, nope. she's got to go get her work done. So and... she would finish dead last in distance ah. plunging. Ah, yeah, she's not a great plunger. Um, but who who is really? Who who really is a great plunger? plumbers? 
Plumbers are great plungers. Well, thank you. That's a, that's very insightful about the Olympics, how far we have come, right? Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about the world's easiest happiness booster. What activity is the fastest way to boost your happiness level? We'll talk about it straight ahead. know that exercising is a great way to kickstart our day and feel better. And even most of us struggle, though, to keep a consistent uh, approach to our exercise. New research, though, shows that we don't even have to break a sweat in order to reap the benefits of exercise. Here to speak with us today is Greg Panza, the primary author of that study. And Greg is an exercise physiologist at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut whose research has focused on the effects of exercise on cardiovascular health. Greg, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's interesting. um, As we talk about exercise, I mean, it's like everybody knows what we need to be doing. It's but it's 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 kind of hard to to make it consistent in your research, though. You've been finding out um, uh, a lot of, I guess, not, not I mean, new, but new new concepts about exercise. Talk to us about Really, what is the number one benefit that that you found in your research as to why exercise matters? Sure. Well, it's actually interesting. So the reason why we did our study um, is because there was a study that was actually published in 2015, and it showed that participants who participated in vigorous intensity physical activity actually reported lower levels of well-being. So this message could uh, develop a problem for folks who engage in intense physical activities, um, but it also sends a message to the general public saying, well, if too high of intensity of exercise can have negative effects on my well-being, then maybe I shouldn't be exerting myself too much. And then the next thing you know, it becomes a reason to sit around more. So hmm. um, so there was what we found, though, is there was a strong limitation to that study, and it was the way that they collected information on physical activity intensity because it was uh, uh, self-reported. So this can be an issue because people interpret intensity of physical activity differently. You know, factors like uh, age, physical fitness, or even personality type can affect that. So what we wanted to do was we actually wanted to re-examine the research question of, are there certain intensities of physical activity that someone can participate in that may result in better subjective well-being? So it's the positive and negative evaluations that people make of their lives. So what we did was we examined that same research question among 419 healthy middle-aged adults, but instead we used objective measurements to measure physical activity and intensity. So we used what these things are, they're called accelerometers. They're little motion sensor devices right. that you wear on your hip, and they measure the acceleration or the, of the trunk or the hip, and really they have the capacity to document volume and intensity of activity. Uh, so we had them wear this for a period of uh, four days, two weekend days, two weekdays, um, and this gave us an objective measurement of what their physical activity intensity was. And so we measured sedentary behavior, so like lounging around, sitting, sleeping, or light, moderate, or vigorous intensity physical activity. But we also had them complete several questionnaires that evaluated their levels of well-being. So this include, included measurements of quality of life, depression, and actually even body pain, because we know that body pain can be an important indicator of well-being. So 
what we actually found was that those who participated in the most sedentary behavior actually reported the lower lowest levels of well-being. Well, that might not be all that surprising, but what was very interesting about what we found was that out of all the intensities of exercise that we collected, the participants who participated in primary, primarily light physical activity actually reported the highest levels of well-being wow. and included the highest levels of quality of life and the lowest levels of depression. But we also found that those who participated in moderate intensity exercise also reported significantly better quality of life, but it wasn't as good as those who participated in the light intensity activity. But just to kind of go back, if you remember, I told you about the study from 2015 yeah. that found high intensity exercise negatively associated with self-reported well-being. Well, our findings actually didn't support this because we found no association um, that showed vigorous intensity exercise um, associated with higher or lower levels of well-being. So we kind of debunked what wow. they found using objective measurements, but we found this new thing where, well, the people that just, you know, had the sed most sedentary time reported the highest or the lowest levels of well-being, but those who participated in light intensity actually reported the highest levels. So, boy, um, it, it's, I guess this is, this is science, in, right? You know, right in mm -hmm. the heart of it all. Because the, the, if, I, if I have kind of the lowest intensity makes me happiest, right? Um, then in a way that's kind of scary, right? Because yeah. I, I could be watching Netflix and still dying of cardiovascular disease. Or uh, not being as healthy as I need to be, so is but but I would but I feel happiest. So I guess you're saying some exercise would still make you would make you feel happier, but you don't have to think that you don't have to go do the hardest levels of exercise. Exactly. So there's really like a you know there's a few take home messages I would say from from our study. Um, it's you know we confirmed the previous studies, of course that. Higher levels of sedentary behavior are associated with lower, you know, well-being. Um, so what this provides proof that really doing something is better than nothing. Right. Um, you know, so people that thought that uh, vigorous intensity, you know, the you know more is better type of attitude. Well, we show that as far as for mental or you know mental well-being, that's not the case. Thank heavens. Yes. <laughs> that's so. So really. Um, no exercise, not great. Too much exercise, not happy, well, doesn't induce too much happiness. Exercise it doesn't show a pot. We didn't find a positive or negative effect. So, right. you know, when you have a study that, like the one that came out in 2015, well, that almost gives people a reason, like, why to I don't, don't want to exercise too much because it may make me feel sad or, you know, upset. Or, well, we found that, you know, if you're somebody who is already exercising a lot, well, you know, keep on doing it because it's not going to affect your, at least your mental well-being. Um, you know, of course, there's differences between, you know, your psychological health and your physical health. You know, physical, um, there's more, of a, there seems to be more of a dose-response relationship as far as physical, like, you know, re reduction in body fat or losing weight, um, you know, reducing your blood pressure and things like that. But when it comes to psychological health, it doesn't appear that you need so much. Right. Well, and this is probably a really hopeful thing, a powerful um, research for somebody out there that's maybe that feels depressed, that is a little down, that is that 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 also is overwhelmed by the thought that I've got to go do some vigorous workout. But really, I guess all you're saying you need to do is some light 
to moderate workout. Uh, yes. Yep. To, to get a little so, happiness boost. Exactly. And kind of to just give you a better idea as far as, you know, how much time these people were spending yeah. doing these activities. Because we more so focused on the intensity of them. But, you know, what's very important, too, is, you know, the amount of time in, in each of these intensities. So, you know, so what we found was those who spent approximately three and a half hours doing light physical activity per day reported the highest levels of psychological well-being and the lowest levels of depression. But this doesn't mean that people need to be exercising at the gym at light intensity for three and a half hours a day. You know, examples of light physical activity are simply walking around the office, you know, at work, a leisurely walk around the shopping center, you know, with no noticeable increase in breathing. So in other words, you know, out of a full 24-hour day, just don't be sitting, sleeping, sitting still, or lounging for three and a half hours of those 24-hour day of the 24 hours in the day, and you could see improvements in your well-being. Of course, according to our study, that's amazing. Which is why I guess more and more we hear people talking about you know stand more, get up regularly, go get more drinks, get to the restroom more. I mean, just stay moving. Exactly. That's powerful. So actually, one of the one of the sayings that's going around now is that sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. Which and makes you wonder, true. yeah, yeah. And I, we all thought that vaping was the new smoking. <laughs> but uh, really sitting is becoming – I mean I guess, I guess that's the power of what you're studying. As an exercise physiologist, um, I, I guess the idea is anything we can do to debunk some of the myths that might keep people from exercising right. and do whatever we can to just keep people moving. Right. Do do you see um are these benefits more apparent when we when we exercise every single day? What about those that only are exercising a couple times a week? Not not even just I mean you you're suggesting we stay moving all the time or not all the time, but you know 3 hours a day, 3 and a half hours a day, which isn't much when you really think about how much you got to get done. This doesn't have to just be exercise though, right? Um no, no. So one thing that's especially, you know, the terms exercise and physical activity actually get used interchangeably a lot, but there's actually differences between the two. So physical activity is more so things like, you know, walking to your car, walking around the shopping center, um, whereas exercise is more planned, structured activity, like going to the gym and getting on the treadmill. Um, so... What we looked at in our study was primarily physical activity and not necessarily the structured exercise. So um, there are guidelines from the American College of Sports Medicine and the American Heart Association that are more specific to to exercising. Um, and to kind of just give you an idea of those, they you know they really recommend yeah. for cardiorespiratory exercise and all those types of exercise to get your heart rate up, like. Um, you know, jogging or briskly walking. So they recommend doing that at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week. Um, and that's could be done either over a five-day period if it's moderate intensity or uh, over a three-day period if it's vigorous intensity. And then, of course, they recommend resistance exercise um, on two to three days per week and then flexibility exercise for two to three days per week and then neuromotor exercise, which are exercises that involve, you know, balance, agility, and coordination, and gait, and that's also two to three days per hmm. week. So, but what you do is you do these concurrently with one another. So, you know, you can do if you're at the fitness facility for an hour, maybe you do 
20 minutes of, uh, you know, walking on the treadmill, and then 20 minutes of resistance exercise and 10 minutes of flexibility. So you can combine them all into a single session. So those are those are guidelines that have been established for, um, you know, healthy adults age 18 to 64. Um, but again, those are more specific to exercise itself, where our findings are more so for like we were talking about before, just getting out of the chair yeah. at work, physical activity. Tell me what happens to our body mm-hmm. that that so impacts when we're exercising or just um, when we're out moving around and being yeah. active. What is actually happening to our body and our chemistry that, yeah. that changes and, and it creates such a positive effect? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I think one of the things that people often think about when they talk about the, the benefits of exercise and physical activity is, is like more of the physical benefits, the losing weight, reducing their body fat, lowering the blood pressure. But what often gets forgotten are those psychological benefits. So like reduced depression, anxiety, stress, um, improving your mood, happiness, and even improving your sleep. Um, so I would say there's probably two primary underlying mechanisms that can really be attributed to, you know, the exercise and physical activity, improving our mood. The first you know, being a physiological. Um, so that would be the fact that exercise and physical activity actually increases blood circulation to the brain. Mm. So this increases the release of endorphins. Many people might think of that as like the runner's high. Um, so these endorphins are they're a type of neurotransmitter or chemical messenger that can help relieve pain and stress. But also, physical activity and exercise releases dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and these are all important in regulating your mood. But there's more. So exercise and physical activity also increases the levels of a protein called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So it's BDNF. And there have been studies that show that low levels of BDNF have been actually associated with mood disorders like depressive disorder and bipolar disorder. Mm. So now the second major thing I think, and this is also often forgot, is that um, exercise and physical activity can increase your mood and happiness simply by distracting you from upsetting thoughts that might be bringing you down, you know, as well as the social benefits that come from exercising with others, especially like in a group fitness class, which have become very popular, you know, or simply going for a walk with a friend. You know, these are the types of things that can increase confidence. They allow for more social interaction, which can, of course, help with, you know, improving your mood and happiness. Man, uh, boy, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. Again, we're speaking with Greg Panza, who is a, currently a doctoral candidate at the University of Connecticut, and is an exercise phil- physiologist at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. And um, his research has been focusing on the effects of exercise on cardiovascular health. I guess with all the chemistry um, going on, I mean, and, and again, it is more social. It is a great distraction. And the, I think the powerful thing to realize is we don't have to – it's not about the abs and the, you know, the, the hard, taut body, really. Right. It's, about, it's about just moving, it seems like. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the misinterpretations when it comes to exercise and physical activity is people, you know, they, they do, if they do something, they immediately want to see some kind of, you know, physical result. And they're not really paying attention to the way it may be making them feel psychologically. So I urge people that when they start doing more physical activity or start an exercise program to think about those changes before some of the physical changes because that might be more 
or at least equal to the amount of a motivator than as seeing those actually, you know, physical changes. Do you think our because there is the psychology behind it. There's a lot of money behind, you know, the clothes, the apparel, the gym memberships, and all of that. Um, have we just overcomplicated it at all now in our heads? Um, well, <laughs> pro- most likely, yes. Um, that's why I think where it needs to start is probably in the healthcare field. Um, you know, there's. There's these initiatives that have been started, like, you know, there's this one called Exercises Medicine, mm. and that starts with the physicians and the healthcare providers telling their patients, well, rather than prescribing them just medications, right, trying to get them to move more, to, to sit less as a first, you know, as a first thing to try rather than prescribing them something. So, you know, I, I work in a, a cholesterol clinic, and um, actually, work in, I work in preventive cardiology, which many people hear preventive cardiology, and they're like, what in the world? <laughs> like, preventive medicine is, is, doesn't exist all that much in this country, unfortunately. Right. Um, so what we try to do is we encourage our patients to, especially you know, if they're on the borderline of, of having to maybe prescribe medication, is to first try lifestyle modification. And we, of course, always encourage you know, increased physical activity. Um, and then we'll have them come back in about you know three or four months, have them do blood work again, and see if that type of intervention works first rather than just prescribing them the medication. So, you know, like you were saying, is of course you know having the the, the apparel and everything like that could you know be an inf- or more of a negative influence on people expecting to you know be these hardcore exercises and everything. Right. But I think if they can go to their doctor and their doctors are telling them this, people tend to trust their physicians. So no, I think that would be a, a, a great step, at least and, in the right direction. And it seems like a doctor can pretty much tell you anything. <laughs> and <laughs> you got to take it. I mean, that's the prescription. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's I think it's great insight for all of us. Greg, thank you so much for your time and for the, the, the research you're doing there at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. Really, folks, it's, it, is it that simple? The, the key is movement. The key is activity. You know, get in the the harder core exercises as well. But, you know, if you want to make yourself feel better, get a little happiness booster in your life, maybe the best thing you can do is just go get a drink, go for a walk, stand up a little bit more, move a little bit more while you're at the office or around around your house. We'll continue the journey, folks. A little Coach's Corner up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back. You know, uh, one of the things that I found can make us happier is if we would just be real with who we are. And and truly just, you know, be real. A lot of us just don't dare reveal who we are because we're I guess we're afraid that they'll reject me. They'll they'll we're afraid that if they actually knew who I was, they wouldn't want me. They wouldn't like me. And so it creates bigger problems for us. We we've been talking about on the show uh, with the earlier guest about the impact of our exercise and it's just a little tiny thing. You just need a little activity to start to make those chemicals flow, 
the same is true in our lives, in our relationships. If we could just be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more real about what's going on, man, a lot of good stuff could could um, could be improved in our lives. Uh, this last week, I did a date night. Um, had about eleven hundred people there or so, and it was super fun. And what we talked a lot about it were some of the things that that might get in the way um, of us actually being and making our best relationships work, usually I believe because we're so vulnerable, we're so afraid, but we don't dare show that we're vulnerable. So I I put together a a few points of advice I wanted to just make sure we got out to you today Um, because Valentine's is coming up and and we can't afford to mess this up, folks. And you're going to need more than just, you know, a quick trip to the mall to pick up some flowers and some chocolate. Maybe what would be more valuable are, are a few of these other rules. One rule is simply be wholehearted. Uh, Brene Brown, a great uh, speaker and author, researcher on on vulnerability, talks about the fact that many of us just really aren't really – we're not wholehearted. We're not wholly in our relationships. We're not even wholly in our job. We're not fully in. And if you're not fully in, you can't derive any benefits of life. If you're not all the way in – then you're you're only getting half as good as as you could be at something. You're only offering half your talent, half of your love, half of your understanding. And so, how hearted are you? Is the question I ask. We, when we talk about being a wholehearted person, and if you thought about your marriage, how wholehearted are you giving in your marriage? How wholeheartedly are you present in your marriage? Um, And Brene Brown has a great quote that says, we spend an enormous energy trying to dodge vulnerability when it would take far less effort to face it straight on. Are you so busy fighting and flighting in your relationships? Are you so uh, up and down? Are you so constantly wondering if you're going to be able to make it through this crazy difficult thing? That, that by being so constantly in and out and up and down and trying to avoid being hurt, are you actually just creating more pain and problems for yourself? So one of the suggestions might be burn your ships. Um, Cortez, I guess the, the story goes when he came uh, to conquer and he arrived to conquer. He One of the, the things that he decided to do was to supposedly burn his ships and make it so the soldiers or his people, when they went off to fight, they weren't allowed to uh, ever come back to the ships because the ships would need to be rebuilt. Many would argue they probably didn't burn them, but he just made them unusable. To uh, So it would take a lot of work to actually ever use the ship again. But how are you in your relationships? Have you made it so that you aren't constantly reverting back to the idea that, hey, I'm just going to – I can always leave – um, one of the signs of a, a relationship that's really gone sideways is we start to, uh, you know, search alternatives. We start to think about what we would do, uh, or we start to look at other people. We start to look at other things. We start to, you know, offload our attention and our focus to something else, to some other hobby or something else that actually starts to take the place of our relationship. So think about that. How are you at uh, being fully in in your relationship? And throughout this week, I'm going to continue to do little coaches' corners on other things we can do at, during the week of Valentine's, right, to make sure that we are connecting, to make sure that we are more wholeheartedly in our relationship, because that is one of the key goals of this show, is to help all of us be 
be the good in the world. And if we can, lift our game up uh, quite a bit in our relationships those in those people that are closest to us. So we'll continue the journey up next. More empty news on the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Now to the empty news table, the empty news desk with Jeffrey Liam Simpson. This one sounds like a joke when you just read the headline for it. Yeah. Flight carrying 85 plumbers is forced to U-turn after an issue with the onboard toilets. So, you know, like every good joke, it starts with 85 (laughs) plumbers are on this airplane, right? (laughs) So, yeah, they're on this airplane. They're uh, They're going to Munich. And it's not clear why there were so many uh, specialist tradesmen on the plane. Uh, But uh, it's believed they were all part of the same company. The company's CEO, Frank Olson, said his staff were unable to intervene and correct the mid-flight problem because it could only be fixed via the exterior. Hmm. We would have liked to have fixed the restrooms, but unfortunately it had to be done from the outside. And we we didn't risk sending a plumber to work at 32,000 feet. Who does that? That's really sad. You're not crazy. You don't want to cause, yeah, problems. How about this one? Yeah. A couple of, I don't want to call them yahoos, but people that, uh, (laughs) I knew it. A couple of guys that were making some poor choices. They were deciding to rob a store. And little did they know that the store was right outside a facility where SWAT team members were being trained. Oh, no. Yeah. Ah! So... Blasted! Yeah. So they took off in a Honda Pilot, which I thought was an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, it's a great car. They sped away from the store. They crashed into multiple cars before the group fled on foot. Oh, it just so boy. happened that all of Huber Heights administrative officers, detectives, and street crews were in the vicinity, as well as a large contingent from other departments taking part in a SWAT training. Multiple jurisdictions responded quickly, and we were able to set up a perimeter throughout the area. Really? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You can't win. If they can't choose a place away from a SWAT training, do they deserve to get whatever they're trying to get? It's almost as if these SWAT team members swatted these criminals into jail. Huh. That's kind of corny. Really? I mean, in the best way possible. A.K.A. Slap in the face. Yes. <laughs> okay. So that's it. <laughs> Whoa. Excuse me. No, it's just... <laughs> you were expecting more? No, that's good. Okay. I feel bad. I feel bad that we make fun of criminals, first of all, hmm. because they've already got enough bad going for them. I feel bad that you make fun of me. Well, like I said, I feel bad that we make fun of criminals. Whoa. I don't know what it is. But just having fun with you. We will continue the fun, folks. Uh, We have one more hour, and uh, Dr. Brian Willoughby will be with us next hour. So much to uh, consider, so much to learn. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. 
Good morning, friends. Happy Tuesday to you uh, on Valentine's Day Eve. We wish you the very best. It's exciting, although (laughs) I don't like you shedding light on the fact that I'm totally not prepared. Well, but you still have today. I've had this conversation with my wife, though. She doesn't think we need to get each other a gift. We'll just go to a nice dinner and no pressure for tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, don't fall for that trap. That's a trap. <laughs> she's trying to, she's she's wondering if you will actually step up. It's a trap. It's a trap. You know what? Everybody's different on this one. She, sometimes the most romantic thing you can do for someone is vacuum the house. So you don't think it's possible that she's being genuine? Yeah, it might be. Okay. It's possible. Right. I think what your wife wants most of all is a furnace. We got it fixed. Well, knock on yeah, wood. So basically what I told my wife, because we've already pumped 500 bucks into this furnace. Yeah. So I basically told my wife, we've got these furnace guys on a $500 retainer because they keep <laughs> coming back and performing the service for free because they guarantee their work. And right. uh, so for the time being, it's working. Well, maybe you ought to just move in, charge rent. They just have them come live with you. <laughs> that would be. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. That's why they, you know. That's why I'm the. That's why I'm the good doctor. So we're up to Not four to different repairmen that Are have come really? to take a look at it. Yep. You know what you should have done with that five hundred dollars is just buy more wood and burn the wood, <laughs> and then in the summer that's only a band aid. You've got all year, and then you've got the rest of the year to pay it off. That's that's only a band aid. I know. Sad day. Hey, um, Olympic news. Uh, American loser Emily Sweeney was sent to the hospital after a crash. Ooh, heard about that. That's not good. No. You're not wanting. I mean, we always, the news is always, hey, the Americans won another gold. I think a lot of Americans right now can't believe we're not winning more. But, hey. Are we all that surprised, though, when people in those types of events get horribly injured? No, that's dangerous. Yeah. Have you ever... I've never done it. My father-in-law went down the bobsled uh, track in really? up here in Park City and came out basically with whiplash. Like Ugh. like his like not good for days. So it's a it's a hard thing. You have to you have to really be ready to you know, hurt die? yourself. Yeah. Not die. You don't well. want to die. Yeah, U.S. loser Emily Sweeney suffered a frightening cat crash Tuesday at the women's single competition during the Winter Olympics. Sweeney was in her fourth run in Curve 9 when she bounced around the track before crashing. Oh, see, that yeah. I just get chills hearing you describe she, that. She walked away. It's all good. But she did walk away holding her head. <sighs> Scary. But, you know, you can't be an Olympic athlete without putting it out there. That's what one of those rings is for. One of the five rings of the Olympic rings, are there five? Uh, one of them is for pain and suffering. Remember we, yesterday we talked is about the agony fact? of defeat. Yeah. Pretty sure. Wow, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of other good news. Um, one of our uh, one of our what do they call them? Snowboarders won a gold medal. Was it Sean White? You don't hear much about him winning these days. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. No, it was uh, Chloe Kim. Huh? Got a gold, another gold for the snowboarding team. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Everybody's into the medal tracking too. Is that what this is really about? Which country is winning the most medals? Of course. I mean, can't we just be happy right now? I mean, at the end, let's count the medals. But to have an hourly count, that seems like... No, 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 no. We might be missing the point. 
No, it, you're wrong. It's all about what Ivan Drago from Rocky IV said. I will crush you or I will break you. I must break you. It was one of those. You so let me get this straight. You just went to a Rocky four. By the yes. way, a lot of people would have missed four. Uh if you ask a lot of people, that's their favorite. Really? I'm not one of those people, but I can appreciate the uh humor in it, I guess. I didn't know Rocky was known for his humor. Come on, the slurred speech. The eat the drinking of the eggs. Mm. It's not bad. Not good either. Today we'll be talking about why <laughs> the flu is so bad. It's even worse when you're when the problem isn't the flu. It's the um, it's the uh, egg virus, the bird avian flu. Wasn't that? I think you were just doing Rocky with the flu. Mm-hmm. That was him with a major <laughs> sinus infection and head cold. Um, the neat thing about, I think, this, the Olympics being on is we're not as fixated on politics. Hmm. So I that have is, found that to be that quite – refreshing. Quite a, quite a gift, but quite you a guys, blessing. You guys are watching these. You're actually sitting down and watching them. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm more interested in the human interest side of the yeah, story when too. they do those, those packages that they show before. Those are always a little risky, though, mm-hmm. because I always remember watching them for Apollo Ono. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he, something happens. Yeah, something happens. He doesn't win a medal. So they're a little risky. No, they're a lot risky. But I think that is the interesting part of the story is to see the struggle, to see all the, the obstacles that they've had to overcome to get to where they're at now. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, the, the most, I think, in, interest, interesting or intriguing in human interest story is the fact that North and South Korea are getting along really well. Did you hear what Kim Jong-un said? No. He's impressed with South Korea's efforts during the games. Wow. Like, he doesn't talk like that. Maybe this could be a good thing. Maybe it's, this it's can happening. help bridge a gap. It's happening. I mean, sure, Mike Pence didn't dare. He couldn't talk to the South or the North Koreans. But the North Koreans are starting to be really nice. Something's weird. So some good could come of this. this Even with injuries aside, something good's going to yeah. come of this. Something good is slowly happening. In the Olympic world. And by the way, the spirit of united countries, that's what it's all about anyway. It's about – that's one of the other rings, unifying the globe. Mm, I think if we're honest, it's really about the medals. Yeah, it's probably about the medals. Until you find out how much tax you have to pay for your medal. That ain't so easy either. (laughs) Let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? On Monday, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders addressed the controversy surrounding Rob Porter, former White House Staff Secretary, accused of domestic violence. In the aftermath of the allegations and Porter's departure, President Trump himself reminded reporters on Friday that Porter says he's innocent. He also tweeted Saturday that lives are being shattered and destroyed by mere allegations. Yes. Reading from prepared remarks on Monday, Sanders insisted that Trump supports victims of domestic violence and believes everyone deserves to be treated fairly and with due process. There you go. Even the victims. Yes. Yeah. The press corps was not placated that easily, as ABC News' Cecilia Vega asked Trump uh, why he hasn't made any statements supporting the victims. Yeah. Right? His public statement was... She's... Uh, it wasn't anything Porter, for the Rob victim. Porter, poor Rob Porter... Yeah, so uh, Sanders maintained that she was relaying Trump's words as dictated to her. She is the president's spokesperson. He told me this is what he wanted me to say. This is what I said. 
Oh, wow. And so they're like, why didn't the president say it? And she goes, I'm his spokesperson. It's the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. She, I mean, maybe they're the same person. (laughs) I don't know. And then it says Sanders, uh, Vega Press Center is asking, does Trump believe Rob Porter's accusers or are they lying? Sanders repeatedly said, repeated saying the president takes domestic violence very seriously and also a firm believer in due process. Vega pointed out that Sanders didn't answer the question. And Sanders replied, I'm not going beyond that. Yeah. So that was the... Well, there we go. So we left it a nice murky gray. And, I mean, is it it enough that the spokesperson says it? Does the president have to say it? When he's already made comments... Right. I mean, remember, he's tweeting all day. So it, it seems like if you want it to really have impact, he ought to say it. Yeah. Out of his mouth or out of his tweet. But apparently that's not needed? I'm not sure. No, it's needed. It was interesting to watch the video of it. You're like, this is interesting. It's called gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. Say one thing, do another. Yeah. Say it's all the same. Yeah. But, oh, well. Uh, life is like a box of chocolates and rebuilding America's infrastructure is akin to erecting an ice skating rink. Really? Hmm? So claimed the president on Monday, speaking to reporters on the heels of his administration's unveiling of its long-delayed and much-hyped infrastructure plan. Remember, he mentioned that on election night. Yeah. The 55-page plan calls for $1.5 trillion investment to improve freeways, bridges, and water resources across the U.S., just $200 billion of which would come from the federal government. The rest would be provided by private or local matches. In, 1980, in the 1980s, Trump helped renovate Wolfman Rink, a process that had been stalled for years before he stepped in. I believe it's around the Central Park area. Uh, to President's credit, he did indeed finish the construction of the ice rink under budget and quicker than expected. Wow. Trump came in at about 750000 under the $3 million budget allotted to the project, the New York Times reported at the time, for a rough total investment of $2.25 million, or in other words, significantly less than 1% of the budget of Trump's infrastructure plan. Yeah, so it's a, it's so, a lot like that, except it's, you know, 100 times more. Yeah. And across the entire country. Well, and the thing that worries some people is that it's going to be a lot of private investment. Mm-hmm. But that could be a really good thing because private investment means that people own it, people take care of it, people make money on it, and in the end, uh, it might be actually better cared for than possibly something that was just purely public. Right. I mean, if you compare a public park mm. to a park in the middle of a gated community, it's well, different. Sure. That it also means fewer people can access certain things. Well, that would without be the, a pay. the question: Is it still public? Yeah, but it's private. Then it just ends up. You have public access. You just have to write a check to get on the tollway. I guess that that'd be how you pay for it is through a toll system. An Indiana female high school senior disarmed a male student who came at her with a knife, wow. according to ABC. The girl was in a bathroom of her high school in Carmel, Indiana, or Carmel, Caramel, Carmel. Mm. I like caramel. I like nougat. Is that, a re- is that a regional <laughs> distinction on the show? Yeah, I think it depends where So Carmel, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis, Thursday afternoon, when the male student came in, came with a knife and tried to attack her, according to the police. The female student, who is a black belt in taekwondo, oh, boy. was awesome. able to defend herself against yeah. the attempt, take the knife away. She yeah. says, I'm no hero. I just resorted to what I have learned. That is awesome. I love these stories when too. the people that the, the perpetrators don't realize who they're fighting. No, you oh, just unleash it. the kraken. Yeah. So, and he, she was in the bathroom. So leave her alone. Well, yeah. Some, he had some other. Yeah. So boy. there's there, there's still no reports on motive or any of that. Just the fact that she. So no relationship. No. 
Wow. Other than human. That's cool. Weird. Uh, New Jersey's capital. This story confused me to no end last night. Why? The headline is New Jersey capital to use lasers and audio to get rid of crows. Now, I thought it said cows. Oh. Right? I, I, for yeah, some yeah. reason, well, I, my mind dropped the R. It was late. I bet yeah. it was late. So, New Jersey's capital is taking a high-tech approach to getting rid of an estimated 3,000 crows that are waking up residents and leaving droppings behind. Oh, so the cows just go and drop things. Well, the crows. Yeah, the cows do. So, I read it first as crows, (laughs) and I'm like, how do you not get rid of 30,000 cows wandering New Jersey's capital? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. You'd think that would be, like, bigger news. You'd think everyone would hear about that. I mean, like, oh, it's crows. They're just flying around. But they're... Yeah, that would be scary. Yeah. Have you seen a crow? They're they're well, pretty intense. It, it gets weir- weirder when you substitute cows for crows. We'll go on. Oh, yeah. The U.S. Agriculture Department on Tuesday will begin using pyrotechnics, laser spotlights, amplified recordings of crow distress calls, and crow effigies to try to scare the birds away. So I'm reading all this going, cow distress calls, cow effigy? What? What is what happening this even to come down? What is a cow distress call? Isn't it all just the same? You know? No, I've fallen and can't get up. I don't know. So the USDA district supervisor. So geriatric cow impersonation? Yeah, it's hard okay. to do a geriatric cow. <laughs> so <laughs> officials say the crows and other birds in the winter uh, form large roosts. They say the crows look for areas where there is less light and few people, such as parking lots. Ah, they're, they're introverts. They say that the, their methods have worked to clear the crows from urban areas. Wildlife officials will spend four consecutive nights in Trenton until February. February 23rd, making sure the crows, not the cows, oh, are out wow. of town. I thought they just had problems with cows up on billboards, painting, yeah, you know, the, you doing their graffiti. climbing up there? Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Can't spell. And they're always anti, anti-chicken. What's up with the chickens? They have a hard enough life. Actually, Eat no, chickens. I think they are, they're pro-chicken. Oh, yeah, they're anti-eating cow. Yeah. <laughs> they're pro-eating chicken. Wow, okay, so yeah. you figured that out. Yeah, that was so I was sitting there last night, like, could not figure out, how do you have a cow problem in the <laughs> middle of a metropolitan area? And I'm like, oh, it's crows. I need to go to bed. Okay. Yeah, that was, that's, that's what, that's the sign. Once you start slurring your words and your um, speech. It's United States. Just like that, take a nap, Mr. President. Just like or that. lay off the Sudafed, whichever. Or get a drink. Just get some liquid in you. You're probably dehydrated. So a couple weeks, it was last week, the president's walking up the steps to Air Force One. Yeah. The wind hits the back yeah. of his hair. Everyone gets this glimpse of whatever's going on up there. There's been several websites that have employed plastic surgeons to try to figure out from the photographs what exactly is happening. Oh, come on. Because they're they're seeing like there's some scars, like surgical type scars that have happened there. And they're they're all trying to guess and try to estimate from the given information, the evidence at hand. But why don't you just assume that- What's going on with his hair? You know, that, that was just a weird angle. The back of his head? Weird wind. Hmm. I it's just I find it interesting. This how, is, by the way, why the MAGA ha, MAGA hat became such a big deal. And a lot of people were saying, "Make that that's, America great." That's that he why he wears the hat, the hat to get to the plane without his hair blowing everywhere. <laughs> it's it's a hard we, thing. I, I brought you about a year and a half ago a BuzzFeed investigation, yeah, into a possible company that he purchased for his own usage for his hair products. Really? That's in Trump Tower. They had an office. I'm not sure they're still there, but well, there's been a lot of reporting around. You know what? What's going on? It doesn't. <laughs> it's just. It's just hair. 
I know. It's just I'd laugh. I mean, how many everybody's got their little body vice issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Like my it's me and my abs, you know. Really? Just Are you self-conscious was, or that it was your grankles. No. You spend a lot of time talking about your ankles. Well, lately cuz I fell and about I think I did break my ankle, mm. but I didn't cuz even to this day when the cows like a- are flying in Jersey, <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> my ankles hurt. Okay. Well, might just be the weather, arthritis. No. No? Not arthritis? I don't know why you have to make it an old issue. It's not an old issue, but a lot of people deal with arthritis on a daily basis. Yeah. You're the one that made it an old issue. Uh, speaking of old issues, Sean White, the snowboarder, yes. is leading the pack. Uh, the, so the American Sean White is leading the half-pipe pack. He's now qualified for the finals, I guess. Ooh. So he could get that gold. He could get the gold. Pick up some more endorsements. Mm -hmm. The ginger goes for gold. Hmm. Somebody told me. He had to go there. No, but he, remember, Sean White, what was it, about two months ago, had a major, he had a major crash. Ooh. Got up, you know, face bleeding. It was pretty ugly. And now he's leading the pack. Hmm. Have you seen that half-pipe thing? Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. Like of all the things you could do at the Olympics, half pipe, that would be, I don't know. Hmm. That seems hard. I'd rather do something that you could just lay back. Maybe the skeleton. No, that's face first, right? I want the luge. No. That's back. That's I want to do something oh, yeah, yeah. that guarantees I'm not going to break anything. Like curling. Have there been any curling injuries? Oh, yeah. You could snap a wrist really? like crazy. It's when not I, when easy. I, when I curled, I fell down like seven or eight times on the ice. So if you're not ready for the ice, you could get a okay. real concussion. <laughs> but okay. If you go face first, you break your nose. I mean, there's some serious injuries. This, that could this happen. all happened while you were on your first date with your wife. Second date, but yeah. Ooh, is that how you tried to win her over? Was like I'm horrible on the ice. No, I mean I, I went because you know you want to have an open mind when a cute girl asks you out. Well, and you go, too, because you want to recreate stereotypical romantic comedy moments. It was about her, and I didn't go into, like, a whole, like, movie thing. Oh, I see. But I just, I'm a klutz on ice. Was there a Marvel comic anywhere around? Uh No, but in a movie. We didn't even talk about it. In a romantic comedy, they have to fall down at least once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just the way it works. She thought it was great. She still talks about it to this day. Yeah. You know, sounds romantic. You were talking about Valentine's Day gifts, Terry. You were talking about naps. I think I just realized my mm. wife may have already given me my Valentine's Day gift. What was that? So I never nap, ever. Why? Uh, I it's just healthy. I don't have time, and I, it has to happen spontaneously. And yesterday, around three p.m., I just fell asleep on Where? the couch. What were you doing on the couch at 3 And this, I was able to sleep while my girls were jumping on top of me and scaring mm. me awake. And, yeah. I love the nap when it, it kind of feels like you're neglecting your children, but they still are having fun around you. Like, you're not paying attention. No, you like you're, that kind of nap? It's great. Just go into a coma. Your kids are safe. But you Don't know. you ever just sit up in a startle like, <gasps> No, not really. No, but it was between 45 minutes and an hour, and my wife not once said, time to get up. She just let it happen. Oh. See, that's nice. that's nice of her. I may have been startled. I, I'm going to have to ask my wife. I'm not sure. But it's possible that one of my daughters startled me awake and I pushed them. 
just as a, yeah. as a, like you know, a take that, get off my. No, like not knowingly, sleep. just oh. like as an impulse of just like, bah. wow. I'll have to ask. I'd like a nap. Don't tell anybody about that, though. Well, I think you. Just I don't did. want them to get the wrong no, idea. I think you just you just did. You just announced it to everybody that listens, all of them. Uh, okay, straight ahead, we're going to be talking about why the flu is uh, hitting the country so hard. It's amazing. So many uh, people struggling, deaths, including a lot of young people, folks. This has turned into quite the flu season. We'll explain why straight ahead on the Matt Townsend Show. You know that the flu uh, is killing up to 4,000 Americans a week uh, right now. One in 10 deaths can be attributed to the flu. And uh, it's not it's not a pretty sight. Hospitals are low on supplies. The vaccine did not cover all the strands of the virus out there and people are dying. So here to speak with us about the flu and explain what is happening is Dr. Chantel Sloan. She's a professor of health science here at Brigham Young University. She was actually here about a year ago to talk about Zika virus. That's right. So we've got we got the flu. I mean, everyone's like, it's just the flu. Did you get your flu shot? But. There's something weird going on this year with the flu shots and also the virus itself. Tell us what's happening. Why are so many people dying? So we have a new strain of what's called H3N2 circulating this year. So we name different types of influenza given these letters and numbers. And um, this year, after we started making the vaccine, this new strain of H3N2 we think is new is... Uh, came around and mutated. And uh, since it takes several months to make the vaccine, we can't just go back and restart. Oh, yeah. No and do-overs. So it, was, it was too late, essentially. And so uh, the virus essentially faked us out, went a different direction. And so the vaccine is not, unfortunately, not as effective as we would hope or as uh, it's been in years past. But so it's, it's a little effective. It is, about 30% in the U.S. Okay. Uh, which is better than we saw in Australia early in the year. They only had about 10%, or about 30%. So we get these shots to all of the seniors, to other communities that are that are, have potential, you know, potential harm that could come upon them if they did catch the flu. What about um, and and yet it's only 30% effective, and you can't. There's not really, I guess, anything you can do now. But is there anything we could learn that we do better next time? Yeah, or is absolutely. it just the flu? Is that it's just that it's that squirrely? It is very squirrely, <laughs> and it, it gets away is from very you. Squirrely, and we um, we do our best to uh, predict what's going to happen every year. We have labs all around the world that are doing monitoring, trying to make our best estimate of what the flu is going to look like in any given season. Um, what we're really learning how to do now is how to speed up and improve the vaccine production hmm. so that we d- we can start a little later. And so if we have one of these mutations that happen, it's okay because we can get ahead of it and revamp a little bit, make a new vaccine. But that switch over to some of these new technologies is going to take some time. Is the, It's interesting. You, you say technologies. I, a lot of people may not know that the the virus itself has to be replicated in um, chicken eggs yeah. right now. 
is how we do it. But you're saying there's other technologies coming out that would allow us. But the doing it in a chicken virus or doing it in a chicken egg um, is kind of it works really well historically because it's uh, I guess the flu virus tends to be transmitted through birds. It's true. Yeah. So it works better to make it in an egg, I guess, in the in these uh, cells. But you're saying too, um, it, it, some of the mutations might not parallel human mutations. Well, so we can take whatever virus seems to be circulating and historically grow it up in these in these chicken eggs. And I'm sure there's some technical variation that I'm not familiar with and exactly how well each yeah. strain grows. Um, but what we're doing now is we're able to move to what's called cell uh, culture lines. So we're able to take just cells and Petri dishes, grow a ton of them in a lab and use those to grow up the virus. So you could actually eventually grow human cells. Yes. Or dog cells, which would mm-hmm. be another one that's – and those might then more closely reflect what would happen to a human in mutation. Yeah. So right? Well, so we're not trying to capture the mutations so much. What we're trying to do is just produce the virus very quickly. Very – oh, so it's all just about the speed of how you, fast speed. you can produce it. Yeah, speed and amount. So that's the, right. So uh, the quicker and the more we can make, yeah. then uh, the later we can start producing the virus for the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, then, you can, then you can get the closest version to what's out there. Yeah, to what's out there. So we're constantly monitoring – checking what's out there, what mutations are happening. And then we've got to bring those strains into the lab and grow it up in huge amounts in order to vaccinate everybody. That is amazing. And then, but it seems like you were talking about how Australia had a different strain almost. Is that, is that normal? Do we, globally, it seems like it's a big earth. It's a big globe. Are there not a million different strains of the virus? There are many different strains of the virus, but what tends to happen, right, is because Australia, the Southern Hemisphere, their winters are summer. Right. What circulates or primarily circulates there in their winter becomes what's going to circulate in the U.S. But what happens is even though they saw some of the same, some similar strains, um, uh, how effective the vaccine is depends on a lot of different factors. Mm. And when I say it's 30 percent effective in the U.S., of course, the U.S. is not monolithic. Right. We know we have a lot of people for whom that vaccine is going to be more effective than it is for others. So I mean, if, again, and talk about that. What groups are more susceptible and, and, and where would the vaccine help some versus others? Right. So, for instance, if uh, someone's over the age of 65, we know the vaccine is not as effective in them. It's true for pretty much any vaccine just because natural immunity wanes. We also know that if you live in areas of high poverty, you're much more likely to have um, outcomes where you're going to be hospitalized or you're you're more likely to be hospitalized. Um, That has to do a lot with nutrition and what we'd call comorbidities if you have other lung problems. Um, if you're prone to pneumonias, then you're going to be more susceptible mm. to this flu. So I Babies, say, I assume babies, yes, younger mm-hmm, children. Younger children. Typically, most deaths and hospitalizations we see from flu are in children under five and people over the age of 65. Though, of course, yeah, then we, it could happen to anybody. Then we hear right? of the random teenager that had mm-hmm. the sniffles and a day later is dead and it's all it's extremely tragic but the numbers if you're if if they're accurate 4000 uh, americans a week are dying because of a flu mhm yeah it's not the worst flu we've ever seen of course the worst we've ever seen is the spanish influenza of 1918 um but in you know the last 
I think they said since 2003, this is the worst season that we've had. It even seems to be outstripping swine flu of 2009. Does it really? Yes, which is uh-huh. incredible. Is, um, so I guess we're always trying to figure out a better way to do this, but you've made a good point that this is also business. Businesses need – I mean it takes a lot of energy to make enough of this uh, – of the – the vaccination. So can we really stay ahead of it enough? Or are we really just trying to knock down a third of it and that keeps it from spreading at mass levels? Is I mean, it's a numbers game, it seems like, right? Right. So we are trying to, of course, protect as many people as possible. And when I say 30 percent effective, I mean, that's the difference between uh, getting it, getting the symptoms or not. But if you're vaccinated and you still get the flu, if you weren't part of that 30% who were fully protected, your chances of developing pneumonia, severe outcomes are less. Are less. So even if you weren't perfectly covered, the vaccine is still helpful. I get my shot every year and, hey, look at me. I turned out fine. You're still here. I'm still here. (laughs) But I mean, but you still get other colds. And I I just don't know if I've got the flu, but I've had a head cold. I've had other things. I guess this isn't uh, this isn't one shot does it all. It's just it just helps. It helps. That's right. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, um, I got the flu shot, but I still got the flu. Yeah, right. But they there are many reasons for that. it could be that you have another virus that gives you influenza-like illness, which happens all the time. Yeah. There's a really bad croupy cough that's gone around yeah, this winter. Right. I had it. A lot of people had yeah. it. Uh, and that's but, not the flu. That's not the flu. That's just a croupy mm-hmm. cough. That's a croupy cough. And if you uh, are an adult and you're vomiting, then it's not the flu either. <laughs> that's a stomach virus. So um, it's not a common uh, symptom to be vomiting yeah. as an adult with flu. So um, it's really tricky to even potentially tell, you know, was that the flu? Was it not? Yeah. But Now tell me what this has to do with me not wearing socks because my Nana has told me that if I don't wear my socks, I'm going to catch the flu. Well, so we uh, – that's probably not actually directly related. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, Good. we have a lot of talk about, oh, well, if you're out in the cold, you're more likely to get the flu. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you want to say directly, does being physically cold cause you to get sick. Well, no, not, not right. so much. But we do know that flu virus, a lot of winter viruses travel better through the air um, at certain temperatures. Oh, yeah. We know when it's cold out, people are more likely to congregate indoors. So climate actually does drive a lot of it, but more on a population level than right. you just not right. wearing your socks. And getting on an airplane right. might oh, not be a good idea as well yeah. either. It's uh, it's funny because we, it's, we don't necessarily know. I mean, you know it. But the general population, we still have a lot of myths. We still have a lot of weird behaviors that we 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 like. Are we supposed to sneeze in our um, in the you know the crease of our elbow? Are we supposed to how? The funny thing is, what are the rules today, and what can we do to make sure that we aren't spreading the virus? Yeah. So uh, rule number one, I would say, if you're sick, stay home. Yes. Right. That is something that we just have a really hard time doing in the U.S. for some reason. You got to work. Yeah. We say, well, yeah, we got to get to work. We got to get to school. Um, in my classes, I have a very firm rule. I tell my students, if you are sick, I don't want you here. Right. I love you. Stay that's home. Great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, but we're under a lot of pressure to still go to work, go out in public. And sometimes it can't be avoided. So if you do have to go out in public when you have symptoms, then yes, absolutely. Sneeze in the crook of your elbow. Yeah. Watch your hands. Um, wash your hands very thoroughly. Uh, uh, 
you know, take that extra few seconds with soap and water, get the base of your thumb, get your wrist, get um, in between your fingers and just really scrub. Uh, make sure that you um, are wiping down surfaces if you can. Uh, but just do the best you can to avoid contact. Don't, do you, don't do you, touch the bathroom door on your way out, right? Yeah, just, no, right. Mm-hmm. I always like just wait until someone else opens it. Yeah. <laughs> I just stand there. Um, what do you do if uh, if in your family, one of your family members has it? And that's hard. You're the that's mom. Hard. Your child's sick. How do we not spread it from family from family member to family member? Yeah, so that is really hard. And especially if you've got a lot of little kids, sometimes it's just going to happen, right? It's just going to yeah, go through yeah, the house. Yeah. And there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, but you can take precautions, try to keep maybe that child or that family member quarantined. a little more quarantined <laughs> in their room. Um, take uh, cleaners that have some bleach in it, bleached on surfaces they've touched. Um, and after you interact with them, make sure that you're just thoroughly washing your hands. Mm. Who do you Who do you really, in the end... I mean, I guess the 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 community members that are more vulnerable should be getting the flu shot. Should everybody be getting the flu shot? I am a firm believer that everybody who can should be getting the flu shot. Yeah. Far fewer Americans do every year than right. could or should be. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I do it because I'm around a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I always seem to catch everything. And so um, I, I guess part of it is uh, everyone could do it. Now, no child in the world wants to hear that. Yeah, I mean nobody. That's another <laughs> shot, but it's but it helps. Yeah, and here's here's maybe some good news on the horizon for those of you who are afraid of needles, or it can be kind of tough sometimes to get to the doctor every yeah. year to remember to get your flu shot, get your family their flu shot. Is they are working on a universal flu vaccine? Really, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're in some kind of early testing where it could be a one and done. Where you get the flu shot and it covers you for many years, but we'll see. Is there not a way – I mean it seems like – I mean there's – call me crazy. But there's money in all these vitamin C pills that we take and Airborne and all these other brands. Mm -hmm. Why on earth is there not just an over-the-counter, here's your flu shot, squirt this stuff in your mouth and for four bucks? Yeah, well – I mean if I could go to the – if I could go to a local store and pick up – Four treatments for my kids, and everybody gets one, and we all just do it. Yeah, wouldn't Boom. it be better? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> and like just everyone, yeah. and they're selling them at every store, and it's or a bucket, a bucket dose. Yeah. So um, if it was something where you could take it in a pill and it would spread effectively through it your body in the way that it needs that to, it doesn't quite. Yeah, I'm sure that your stomach acid would break it down. It wouldn't quite work. <sighs> So what we have are these intramuscular injections, which aren't perfect. There are also some new technologies to deliver um, vaccines through patches. Oh, yeah. So that would be something you could maybe pick up over the counter. I mean, and then every family would pick up their six Mm -hmm. and they'd do it. It's subsidized a little bit by the government, Mm -hmm. but it's a buck a person and boom. And they're totally painless, these patches that maybe hopefully in the next few years might be coming online. Again, who knows? Things are in clinical trials. But uh, unfortunately, orally as a vitamin, it, it won't work. What about these people out there that are like, I don't want medicine injected into me. This could be causing other problems. What do you say about that? Yeah. So um, first, there are, of course, I don't want to say that there's any not, type of right. vaccine is completely risk-free because there's always a small chance of adverse events, especially, for example, if you're allergic to eggs. Yeah. Right. You need to oh, tell yeah. your doctor before you get your flu shot. Um, however, it is certainly the best we have, and risk is extremely low. Uh, if you're watching the numbers like I am and seeing how many people are dying and being hospitalized, it's 
just I I don't know exactly why you why you wouldn't do it right. except maybe it just uh, psychologically seems a little frightening it's hard. or psychologically yeah. a little bit difficult. But I guess in the end too, it's the more of us that are taking it, the healthier as a whole we all are. Mm-hmm. I think I, I can't remember if I've said this on your show before or somebody else's, but you know. You can you do need to be eating healthy that boosts your immune system. Yeah. Getting enough sleep that boosts your immune system. Absolutely, you're less likely to get sick if you're doing those two things. But uh, no amount of spinach is going to teach your <laughs> immune system what the flu virus looks like unless right. you especially, have a terrible spinach supplier. <laughs> well, and especially this version, so, right? This because right. every year it'll be a different version. Right. So these are these uh, you know the vaccines create essentially these special agent immune cells that can just target the flu if you're exposed. Um, and there's really no other way to get that protection. Are there? And do they target anything else? Like it seems like, I mean, do they do they strengthen us for other disease or viruses or other issues other than just the flu, or is it only targeted to that one flu? It's pretty well targeted to the flu, though the vaccine does have multiple strains in it. Okay. So we again have 2009 H1N1 also circulating this year, not at near the levels as this horrible H3N2. Um, but if you're exposed to that and not the H3N2, then you're you're well covered. Yeah. So we do have three to four strains in the vaccine every year. So Okay. So, yeah, you're picking up. I mean, someday it just seems like there will be some cumulative. Every time you get your next flu shot, you get even more and more and more. And then eventually you're invincible and you're a superhero like my partners on the show always talk about. <laughs> well, that would be awesome. Uh, that were true. Unfortunately, the virus keeps changing Darn into something it. new. So <laughs> unless we get this one and done flu shot, yeah. if we figure out some key components that are just always there on the surface of the virus, which is where the research is going, then oh, we would be, be able to outsmart it. Would that not be amazing? But it would be fantastic. Then everybody would want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. we do know, I mean, I look at the numbers the flu shot saves some, you know, at least 40,000 lives a year. And if you're looking at those numbers, there's oh, yeah. just no way to say, I, I want everyone to get it. Right. No, I think it's future, a great, so. it's, it's, it seems like an important, um, I think it's an important thing we could all do for each other, too. Absolutely. If you're yes. going to go hang out at your grandparents' house, yeah. if you're around children, pregnant women yeah. are susceptible, and you're just going to be around them. Protect, protect others if you're not doing That's it for yourself. So good. So. Chantelle Sloan is her name. Chantelle, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. And Chantelle, again, is a professor of health science here at Brigham Young University, and we have her on the show to help us understand what's going on with the flu. Why is it killing so many people today? Get out there. Get your flu shot. Get healthy. Let's be safe, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping us uh, live longer, healthier lives. Man, the flu is uh, taking people out one by one, 4,000 deaths a week. But, uh, you know, I think I've com- I figured out how to combat it. Vitamin C. You're always talking about fact, that one particular product, Emergency. Yes. Have you tried that? Yeah, and my wife, she's sold on it now. It's a life changer. Yeah, and uh, we don't normally pitch a brand like that, but uh, we pitch, you know, it, it's vitamin C, basically. Yeah. Look at that pill. It's a horse pill. Wow. Good luck with that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I got more vitamin C in my body than you, anything else. Couldn't you crush that up and make a beverage out of it? Yeah, you could. Hmm. You could make a – if you put enough water in it, it's yeah. like a high C drink. Okay. 
It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Apparently, a lot of people are out trying to to buy more juice. So the orange juice industry has been uh, struggling recently, as of late Why? over the last few years. Because, well, as this says it, we realize we're basically drinking uncarbonated soda. That is a great lots point. of sugar in yeah. you know the different types of orange juice. But as everyone around us succumbs to the flu, we apparently turn back to the good old. OJ, as this article says, in the wake of America's <laughs> not, uh, not OJ, not, not, not that guy, that, right? The other, the other OJ. He may be having a movie coming out pretty soon. Oh, so I just watched another one. In the wake of America's worst flu season in nearly a decade, orange juice sales spiked last month for the first time in nearly five years. There was an increase in almost a whole percentage point in sales between the end of December and January twentieth. Ooh, it's a really short amount of time yeah. when their sales spiked. Uh, it says this out of the Wall Street Journal. For almost a decade, the orange juice industry has been suffering because Americans have moved on to beverages that are at least marketed as being healthier. Yeah. May not actually be, but, you know, uh, and less sugary or not to mention the exciting options available for those who aren't as health conscious. There's all kinds of soda. So people are going back and they, they say it's it's like it makes them feel safe. Because yeah. you're always told, uh, you no, know, drink. vitamin C, even yeah. those studies are showing that it really doesn't do anything. Hey, 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 hey. To help against the Of course it does. Those, and flu and- those OJ executives are just standing there rubbing their hands saying, we knew you'd be back. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, to go full circle on this issue, um, apparently, so all the hospitals, all the, the, uh, the medicine they need, the kits they have for the flu – the IV tools that they need to use to, to distribute the vaccinations – or not the vaccinations, but the treatment of the patients that have the influenza virus. Mm. Um, they, guess where they tend to come from? Where? Puerto Rico. Oh. And one really? of the reasons why Oops. their shipments uh, are so low is because Puerto Rico – remember – I don't know if you remember. Yeah. But they – you know, there was a, tr- there was a, 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 hurricane. a hurricane there and then oh. I think then another tropical storm mm-hmm. and – but it's all taken care of. Right. Except for the fact that their power just went out again, again and again and again. So these factories can't distribute the things that we need here on the mainland to take care of the influenza virus. Hmm. So this idea that we, you know, they have bills that they didn't pay, so... They should suffer somehow? In the end, we're all suffering because Puerto Rico's suffering. So just let's remember that this is just one big... Ball and, of mud, and they're part of the United States. Yeah, we left I mean, that yeah. part out too. Yeah, that's so. inconclusive, though. It wasn't really confirmed if that was no, it's knowledge conf- or not. But now it is. It's so confirmed the that they, they're part of the United States, and they pay taxes and have representation. So, by the way, apparently, two places, and th- this blew my mind. Not necessarily, um, not being deeply impacted by the influenza virus. Do you know what two locations those are? No. Hawaii. Oh, that's right. And okay. Washington, D.C. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Two vacation sites. Hawaii because, you know. Everyone's on vacation. It's an so, island paradise in D.C. because everyone has a Cadillac plan? Yeah, nobody works oh. there and everyone's on vacation. Are you gotcha. implying that maybe we ought to take more vacation? I'm I'm implying that, that maybe if. Always implies that. If people in Washington, D.C. were actually. Not the people, like. There's people living the, there. But Congress, yeah. our political leaders, if they would all stay in town more, we'd have more virus there. I don't know. Something's going down. There's got to be something in the air because Abe Lincoln's nose is starting to turn. No, but that that's because people keep rubbing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so that's another thing we wanted to say. Quit rubbing. 
Abe's nose. Yeah. He's been through enough. His birthday was yesterday. It was. And uh, we'll be celebrating President's Day soon. So, hey. For- Washington's is the 16th, so we keep that yeah. in mind. And his nose seems to not have the problem that Abe's does. Right. Go rub a penny. If you feel like it's going to bring you good luck to rub his nose, just rub the penny. Rub the penny's nose. Yes. Yeah. A little word brought to you by the Abe Lincoln Association. Hey, we are going to continue the journey. More fun straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Brigham Young University. Well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, folks, and uh, we're going to help you today right now. Terry has been researching ways to uh, serve your loved one on the holiday. In my house, it's turned more into a uh, day for the kids to express love for mom. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because we just had our anniversary like a week ago. Yeah, so wouldn't so that it's be a Mother's second, Day? Yeah, it's a second Mother's Day. It's the Basically, pre-Mother's Day. Yeah. They, they enjoy it. The kids really get into it. Well, one does. The other one's, you know, one. Basically, like a pet at this point. Yeah. Um, so what, they give it this article I found. It's on the website fatherly.com. Okay. So it's more geared men to women, but at the same time, it can, you know, spouses it can in go general. both ways, right? It all works. So if, you, if you're not big on going out and getting a Valentine's Day, it, it seems so corporate. Yeah. You know, you're buying flowers and all this stuff. Right. A simple thing, a simple gesture could be all that's needed to make for the perfect a Valentine's high five. Day. It says, the first one they suggest is set your phone alarm or radio to play play a song that she likes when you wake up. Oh, that's cute. So she cute. starts with a good mood in the day because that's her favorite song. I wonder if that would make my wife happy at 5 a.m. Well, you know, adjust accordingly depending okay. on your situations. Send her an internet thing that you know she'll like. Video, article, yeah. something like I was thinking of you and I read this. That's hmm. cute, yeah. yeah. Um, ask if she'd like some time alone. Would you like me to leave? No, 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 don't leave. You've got you know, to stay just with the for, kids. For an hour, or she leaves, just get some time away from yeah. you know, life. Go why do your own thing. Like Go up to her like, hey, why don't you get out of here? I do that all the time, and she rarely takes me up on that offer. Hmm. You could put a surprise in her in her work bag or oh, yeah. in her, in, you know, her purse or whatever, just like some chocolate or something. Just like here. a bag of cottage cheese? Yeah, it'd be great. Well, depends on. She likes cottage cheese. Your wife does? Yeah. I think a bag of cottage cheese would work well, though. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, you can take out the trash. Oh, boy. Don't don't wait to be asked. Do something yeah. you don't normally do. Do some chores around the home yeah. that maybe she takes care of. Just take care of it for her and then don't say anything. Then she'll walk in and be like, oh, it's done. That would be amazing. That would be, be a great cool. day. It says warm up a towel, robe, or slippers in the dryer <gasps> for her. Oh, that's mm. cute. Yeah. And then you lay them out as she... You know, puts them on is all warm and cozy. You know something Hot. I do while she's feeding our baby, I will lay down on her side of the bed so that when she comes back, it's nice and warm. Really? Yes. It's kind of lazy. No. I mean, you could warm up a towel or a. So there's a few. Sorry. There's there's more. Let's, we'll be doing them it's all through the show. Little little things you can do to make the day special. Bringing the love back on Valentine's Day. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. Happy Valentine's Day. You made it. Let's put on some love music now and start a walk down Valentine's Day lane. Who better to start with than Jeff? What are you getting for the missus? Well, I, uh, my kids and my wife are going to wake up to a scavenger hunt. Oh, is that good? Yeah. Oh, because I don't... It's not like you have to look for your breakfast or anything. There's a treat at the other end. Well, it feels like every morning when I lose my keys and I can't find my backpack and all that stuff, I always start with the scavenger hunt. Not always positive for me. (laughs) I don't know why. How fun. So you put this together last night? Yes, and I woke up to a new digital scale from my wife, (gasps) which is her... Nice way way of saying, you know, instead of trying to get this old one to work early in the morning by banging it down on the floor and waking me up so I can't go back to sleep, here's a new one. Oh, that's romantic. Yeah. (laughs) Usually, though, it'd be like, you need to drop a few pounds, but no, I just want you to make less noise in the morning. Just make less noise. Is that like buying your wife a vacuum? Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my my wife's the best present she's ever given me for Valentine's Day was nose trim uh, clippers. <laughs> yeah, that's another subtle hint. Yeah, it's kind of weird. She's then she's like, it does your ears too. <laughs> like <laughs> while while you're using really? those, <laughs> while you're at it, how about getting all that ear hair you've got? Can you get so, that mole checked out too, please? <laughs> something doesn't look right with that mole. What do you? What did you get your queen Nothing. there, Terry? Nothing. No, Terry. She she doesn't she doesn't believe in participating in uh, retail America's attempt to make their first quarter budgets. I know, so that's why you just write her a really cute letter. Yeah, so I help the kids make a, some cards or something. You're a monster. It's great. Okay. Like I said, my anniversary was like a week and a half ago. We're fine. Yeah, my anniversary's tomorrow. So we don't do much today. Tomorrow's when the party yeah. starts. But, but wait a minute. Mm-hmm. If you're bundling Valentine's Day in no, with your anniversary. No, we're ignoring Valentine's Day. <gasps> so what if you were to have a kid whose birthday was like December 30th but or we, January 1st? Too bad. We didn't, though, so we don't have to worry about it. Poor kid doesn't get anything. Just a kick in the face. He would have a very depressing birthday because we'd go, dude, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want from me? Um yeah, so I don't. I, we don't do much except we'll say Happy Valentine's Day. And my wife's not yeah. big into flowers, so that's kind See, of. See, and I did that for the anniversary. Flowers. Have it delivered to the office. Oh yeah, Everyone that's romantic. Sees there, I'm a great guy. It's great. I have an. It's I a have a, a meeting tonight, and my wife has a meeting tonight. No, so. tell her what. It, tell everyone what it is. The meeting. Oh, it's just a church interview a for me. It's a hearing. I. Not mm. for you at the church, but you're going to a hearing. It's that a public, court the public disturbance. Hearing. It would be more likely that I was getting my hearing checked than going to a hearing. So denial. Let me write that down. Still, still in denial. Yeah. So we're going out this weekend. Are you really? Mm-hmm. Love. I don't know why right? that's so surprising. So were we. <laughs> I'm going to California. Oh. What? I'm going to yeah. watch movies. Disneyland. Uh, I was going to go to Disneyland. But the only way, the only day I could go would be President's Day, and I don't Ooh. feel like going to Disneyland on President's Day. Well, let me look it up on. Is that the is day? It, is, is that it, the holiday? Yeah, it's Monday. I'll look it up on isitpacked.com and tell you whether yes. or not is it packed. Is half of California there? dot com. That is a great. That's a great website. Is it packed? It's like does it fit or 
There's one I always go to. Is it's like, like is it down dot com? Basically, like is this website down? Like you can't get the oh. Netflix. You know, like, oh, oh yeah, and then yeah. see if other people are reporting. There's some sort of service interruption. Yeah, yeah. Will it and blend? Us- That's another one I me. like. Will it blend is fun because if you can blend it, you know, you can drink it. Yep, it's packed. Not even yep. But yeah, uh, wow! Like, Yup, like yeah. fire code hazard packed at Disneyland. Yeah, so there's, so I'm not going to there's, that. There's there's Ghost Town. Hey, it's all right. Yup, it's packed. And I think there's one more that's uh, forget about it. So if if uh, if anybody out there in you know Anaheim, L.A. area has any suggestions for what we should do instead of going to Disneyland, that doesn't involve a fire mm. on the mountainside, mm. a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Preferably even a beach. I don't want it what? to involve a beach. Go to the beach. Why not? Uh, beaches, I don't love them. Why? They're sand. Mm. Usually they're hot. Now now they'd probably be cool. And lots of sun. And there's sand. And there's people. There's You're sand. a California sand. Grinch. Yes. Anywho, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you all. And boy, did Sean White win a great uh, little Valentine's Day present, some gold in the half pipe. Happier than ever. He he did it. He, he got that Sochi monkey off his back. And then some awkward press conferences to follow. Yeah. <laughs> that, and then he got, the, the, he got that great shot of him biting his gold medal, which I think is crazy for the amount of money we spend on our teeth today. Do you, do you think he was trying to see if there was chocolate in there? Uh-huh. Yeah, where's the chocolate? There, were, there wasn't any chocolate the first two <laughs> times, but maybe this time. What a ripoff. Let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? The director of national intelligence testified Tuesday that there is no single agency leading the United States effort to respond to and combat Russian election meddling. The revelation came as Intel Chief Dan Coats also told the Senate Intelligence Committee that Russia is poised to target the U.S. midterm elections later this year. He warned that Russia will continue to use propaganda, social media, false flag personas, sympathetic spokespeople, and other means of influence. Hmm. CIA Director Mike Pompeo later said, We have seen Russian activity and intentions to interfere in this midterm election. So these are Director of National Intelligence and the Director of the CIA, and they're both saying this is going to happen. This isn't, yeah. CNN reports three sources familiar with the president's thinking says he remains unconvinced that Russia interfered in the election. While this issue is separate from the question of whether Trump's campaign officials colluded with Russian officials, Trump sees the issues as interwoven, so none of it happened. None of it happened. But but the crazy thing about it, too, is now there's even investigations into Sid Blumenthal and then that guy that's the GPS fusion mm-hmm. Which So that was kind of more of a little Democratic side of the scandal. So it, apparently the Russians touched everybody. Well, uh, So let's deal with the fact that everybody was in. Many of the reports started, they, they went to see which side would work with them. And they found that their stuff they were putting out worked more with the people that were wanting to vote for Trump. So they went that direction. Yeah. They were just trying to mess with the whole thing. They right. didn't they favor don't anybody. Right. They were just trying to cause chaos. But we can't let it happen again. And they're saying no one is working on this, which is great since, you know, November. Yeah. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray has muddled muddled the White House's official story about the departure of former White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter. 
Porter resigned last Wednesday after two of his ex-wives claimed to have suffered years of physical and mental abuse at his hands. The White House initially defended Porter against the allegations and claimed not to have known about them until last week. But Ray called that assertion into question Tuesday during a Senate Intelligence Committee hearing. The FBI director said his intelligence agency submitted a partial report on the investigation in March of 2017. Oh, boy. And that the background check on Porter was completed by July of last year. He continued, soon thereafter, we received requests for a follow-up inquiry and provided that information in November. Reyes said that this month the FBI received some additional info and that was passed on as well, but the investigation officially concluded in January. Ray's statement seemed to contradict the White House's story about the FBI background check, where they said yeah. it was ongoing They're saying, or held yeah. up in other agencies. Office, their office, their security office was still coming up with a recommendation, yeah. but they, anyway, yeah. So all these uh, Trump-appointed intelligence officials are contradicting all these different yeah. stories that are going on. By the way, the, the FBI guy is, he's being pretty strong. Yeah. Is it Ray? Yeah. He's... Wow. That's... He, well, he was questioned in the Senate like, level. Oh, no, they had all the information. The Senate level hearing, they're like, will you, which, what are you going to do? Are you going to enforce the laws or are you going to, you know, do what the president, you know, are you going to be compromised by the president? And he goes, I have to do what the law says. That's what the FBI does. That's what my job is. And so he's doing wow. that. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, Maggie Haberman, White House reporter for the New York Times. Yeah. She says on this issue of uh, Rob Porter and when he was fired and what the what general kelly's saying versus what the white house says versus what the fbi says she says every several white house officials are now prefacing or concluding their sentences and conversations with reporters by making clear that they can't swear by the information they have just given really so they ask can we have clarification they give the clarification but then like i can't like 100 percent say this is the truth because there's okay. four different versions floating around. So that's not really clarification. No. So she's saying it's yeah. difficult to figure out what the story is because the story in the White House is this is the different. this is the handling issue. Yeah, and they're this, not handling this it. This goes very to well. bigger issues of we have a, a real emergency. This is a minor thing, yeah. really. But if there is a major emergency, how does the White House deal with that? Yeah, who are you gonna who are you gonna trust? And we got. This one story, there's four different stories, really interesting. Well, and then apparently Mr. Porter was on the verge of being promoted, promoted yeah. to maybe even deputy chief of staff. Even though apparently they knew about all this in July when the initial background checks were well, complete? Well, the, the security offices of the White House did. The White House didn't. The security the, offices. General Kelly's story that he found out 40 minutes later he was fired. So that's his story. Mm. And that story's been kind of shot down there's also now there's a meeting between sarah huckabee four members of the media and rob porter so he could tell members of the media there his side of the story yeah that just came out the other day and they asked her yesterday and she didn't confirm or deny that the meeting happened (laughs) the reporters are talking about it but everyone's yeah uh, other news, Remington, one of the oldest and most well-known gun companies in the world, plans to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. The plan would allow Remington Outdoor Company to stay in business while restructuring its debt. The plan allows for Remington to reduce its debt by $700 million and contributes $145 million of new capital into its subsidiaries, according to the company. Remington said in a statement that its operations will not be disrupted by the restructuring process. The gun industry has experienced slumping sales since the election of President Donald Trump. 
Gun sale, That's gun, weird. Gun sales surged to record levels in 2016 when Barack Obama was president, and there were fears that dem, uh, the oh, Democratic yeah. candidate Hillary Clinton would implement gun controls. When Trump won the election and the endorsement of the National uh, Rifle Association, those fears were alleviated, and of course, sales dropped because there's no rush Isn't to buy that, a gun. That, that's so weird. So you almost you need a Democrat to be president in order to get gun sales up, and the NRA no. would thrive. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stoke the fear of them taking away guns. Isn't that they never interesting? Said they were do wow. That. Yeah. Okay. So, do you play Uno? I did when I was really young. Yeah, really? I haven't played it lately. We play it because we have a six-year-old, and he can oh, grasp yeah. the concept, and it's kind of fun. We, my wife and I went on a cruise about three years, four years after we got married, and we brought that with us. And we were kind of bored one night, so we're just sitting up in a in a common area, just playing Uno. Everyone kind of staring at us. We're just like, "What? What's playing the, cards? You guys playing a kids game? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun game to play." And I, I, I beat my wife quite a bit during that, oh, that wow. cruise. Wow. Yeah, it was great. But they're coming up with a new game. What? Based on Uno. Duo. No. Trio? Uno. Dos. Dos. Oh. It's called Dos. Mattel launching the new card game Dos next month in hopes of giving its nearly 50-year-old Uno brand a second life. Dos has similar rules as Uno, except players make two piles of cards and can throw down two cards at a time instead of one. The sequel. Mm. It comes as Mattel tries to so turn its exciting. business around. Their, their Barbie and Hot Wheels really aren't pulling the... the they fell 11% in sales last year. Did Matt. they really? Well, the, there's the Barbie movie coming out. Maybe that'll help. Toys, to, Toys R Us, they're going out of business all over the country. They're shutting... Like, There's a Baby RS near my house. They're closing. Babies are us oh, is no. closing. They're the only ones with pregnant parking. It's okay. The one by you is going to stay open. Okay. Yeah, but not all pregnant women can park there. They've got to park at other stores too. I know, but it was the one store where you could not be handicapped and still get a good parking spot if was, you were pregnant. Was that for you or your wife? It's not the right question. So Uno's chasing trends as Mattel is trying to get this card game out there. They're coming up with a smartphone app. I thought they already had one. I thought I played that several times. They're also <laughs> uh, coming out with a Facebook. They all, all, You can also play Uno on Facebook Messenger. Oh, great. With other friends. You can just play a game of Uno there also. That's they don't need good. to so, yeah. go through all this trouble. When I was a scout, we just played a variation of Uno called Speed Spoon Uno. Um, have you guys Whoa. seen this? Yes, it's creepy. Wait, wait, why are why are you changing the subject? I was about to tell you about a very uh, fun activity for scouts, where if you lose the game by having the most points at the end of the round, you've got to extend your arm out oh, and then on they, the table. You get whipped. They whack you with a spoon right in your elbow pit. Yeah, sounds violent to me. Yeah, but it was great. Speaking of elbow pits. What are those robots? You're uh, Boston at? Dynamics. They have dog robots that look like dogs without heads, but Ooh. they can open doors. Okay. And it is the most terrifying thing you will ever watch. My Roomba can open doors. No. I was in the bathroom, and all of a sudden, I hear this door opening behind me. It just bump, 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 and it bumps its way into the bathroom. And then once it's in the bathroom, it closes the door with the two of us in there. Okay. That was creepy. No, 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 no. No, let's get real. You left the door open. No. Unlocked. Like a crack. Yeah. And it bumped right. its way in, but then it shut the door. It did, but these robots, one dog robot calls another dog robot over with a special arm. 
that then unlocks or opens the door. That is turns creepy. the handle and yeah. watch this kicks his little dog leg to hold the door <laughs> while what? he gets the entire door open. What? It is the creepiest. But and then who's gonna? Who is this for? This is for dog lovers for the future. Our robot overlords, when they take over, these are their pets that so will are these, attack. Are these people that like dogs but don't like the cleanup so they can just get a robot yeah. dog? Yeah. All you got to do with that is just take them to get lubed and oiled twice I'm tell- a year. If you have a robot that can do that, I I think there's a point when that robot's going to start wondering, why am I taking orders from this guy? <laughs> it When the dog turns in, the, luckily, luckily these robots don't have heads. So, but they opened a door. I know, but they don't have a head, so you don't have like eyes staring at you. You just have a headless dog body. It's still creepy. It looks like a mechanical spider crawling mm-hmm. toward you. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um, one of the things, too, that we are going to be covering in the next few minutes is uh, an author of a book that believes that maybe the world would be better off without college. Really? Yeah. Wow. And maybe it's obviously maybe not for everyone is, is his point, but um, maybe we're giving it way too much credibility. Mm. Maybe – I mean there's always these statistics about kids are better off if they've gone to college. They're going to make more money. Which isn't always the case. I, no, I know. I worry about that because it used to be you, you, know, you were only as good as your ability to add value. So is the – is – a master's degree, the new bachelor's degree, do you think? I do, actually. Really? Oh. I mean, I think to actually stand out, you'd need a master's degree. Or you'd have to be really good at something. But the problem is, how do you get good at something if you are always in school and never out practicing getting good at something? Exactly. And then there's this this fear. Like, I have a son that is really good at a lot of stuff and never been to college and now – and actually makes pretty good money doing what he does well. But he's in this conundrum. Is he Should he go to school and go learn from people that have never done any – half of what he does? Or should he just go work with professionals that make a really awesome living doing what he does and loves? What do you think about those companies that you can get a good job working for them – but then there reaches a point when you've got to have that master's or you've got to have passed a certain exam in order to oh, yeah. further your career there. To even be yeah, looked at. Yeah. So-and-so, they do the same thing you do, but they have a master's degree. Yeah. I have a doctorate. That's the only reason I have a radio show is because I've gotten so much education. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's a weird thing, isn't it? And so it used to be we'd have an apprenticeship. You'd go apprentice with somebody and then you'd get the – you'd master these skills and then that would be good enough. But does that even matter anymore? Isn't work experience more than something you learned in a book? You'd think so, but apparently not. So our next guest is going to be talking about how the world might be better off without college for everyone. And uh, it might actually – you know, make things move faster, get people more specialized in their careers, uh, get them more quickly adapting to the new work world. Anyway, we'll be talking about it straight ahead right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends. You know, you hear it all the time on our show We when we talk about college and universities. You know, college isn't for everyone. And we, we hear these arguments on, on the show. Um, we make them a lot just because we, we have examples in our lives of a lot of uh, educated people that then go out into the workforce. And many of them can't get the kind of job they want. But uh, we wanted to talk to somebody that had a real opinion about it and has some research on it as well. Um, one of them is uh, – his name is Brian Kaplan. He's a professor of economics at George Mason University and is the author of the book The Case Against Education, Why the Education System is a Waste of Money and Time. Brian, thank you so much for being with us today. Delighted to be here. Now, this – you are – boy, you are – you're going to be controversial, Brian. All I mean, right. talk talk about how you. What's your case? Why is it that education isn't necessarily worth the money or the time that we may be putting into it? Right. Well, so the main thing I say is that it's not really worth it from society's point of view. That it's a ripoff for taxpayers. And the main reason is that most of what kids learn in school, they never use after the final exam. Most kids don't find it very interesting at the time. So really, it does seem like a waste being neither useful nor nor actually inspiring or enjoyable. And yet, we it's it's what we push. It's what we talk about. Um, is it what is it about us then? If we if we keep pushing it, and yet it's such it's really a, a financial drag. It's an economic drag. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the book, I talk about something called social desirability bias. You know, people like to say and believe things that sound nice, and just saying that school is the most important thing in the universe sounds great. But, you know, like everyone's actually been in school and you remember that you spent a lot of time that was a waste of time, that's, you know, stuff that you had to learn. The teacher said this is required. At the time, you're wondering why. When are we going to use this? If you're an adult now, you know you probably aren't using most of the stuff that you were doubting the value of. And, you know, like if you look at the faces of students, they're not having that much fun in most of their classes. So, again, like, like you know, there's the contrast between what you know firsthand that school has an enormous amount of waste built into it mm. and what we're supposed to believe, which is that school is wonderful and, and just the most important thing of all. Now, again, as a college professor, where do you think uh, – where does the break happen? I mean, and how would we make it better? Is it, a, is it, a, is it um, elementary school that's, that really is, is the problem? Is it middle schools, high schools? Is it our college systems? Or is it, is it kind of a universal problem? Yeah, I mean, I think it really is a universal problem. You know, so even in kindergarten, of course, the kids are doing a lot of stuff that they're never going to need to know again. They're learning to read and write, and that's really important. And then a lot of it is just playing for them, and that's fine. Uh, but then, you know, like kids, you know, like, you know, like even at that age, people are making kids learn stuff that they're never going to use again. So, like, you know, endless mandatory music and art, which, again, for kids who like it is great, but a lot of kids don't like it. And why they couldn't just be having some extra recess time is pretty <laughs> unclear. Uh, but, you know, but, yeah, but, you know, like as long as the kids are, you know, like, like need monitoring or need daycare, then at least you got the daycare function being provided, and that's useful. But, you know, like once the kids are in high school and they would be capable of you know, being apprentices or learning a job, that's the point where I think you really have to say, what's going on here? If the kid is not getting much out of it, why is it that we don't find something better for him to be doing with his days? Don't we, don't we have data, though, that shows economically by having a college degree, you're more likely to, to make more money to get um, more, uh, I guess, more progress financially? Oh, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. So it's really the heart of the book is there's this puzzle. Why is it that so much of the time you spend in school seems like a waste of time, and yet employers seem to value that education so much? 
And you know, my story is that you know, even when you are not learning any useful skills, you're still jumping through hoops and your good grades and high performance impress employers. And actually, this is the main way that we impress employers in our society is by saying, ooh, look at me. I've gone and got my fancy degree. I've got good grades. I know none of it's relevant to what I'm actually going to be doing, but still, this is a reason <laughs> to not throw my application away and to give me an interview and consider hiring me. Yeah, so I said, you know, I mean, obviously, people do learn some useful skills in school, and I say that repeatedly. But what about all the other stuff that you have to do that isn't going to be used on the job, and why do employers care about it? And I say that school basically serves the certification function. You get a bunch of stickers on your forehead, which for the individual doesn't really matter why the education pays, but for taxpayers, it matters tremendously. Because, you know, if you know, taxpayers go and encourage everyone to go to college, then you need a college degree to be employable, mm. right? And we can see this over the last 70 years or so. There's been a tremendous rise in the amount of education that employers expect you to have for one and the same job. You know, this is called credential inflation. Credential inflation basically just means that when you know the more degrees that people have, the more employers expect to consider you worthy of training. Mm. So true, and um, I guess it's yeah, it's some hoop that you've jumped through. And if one person has jumped through the hoop, but the other person hasn't. We still might – I guess we would maybe hire the one that, that has the degree that yeah, jumped exactly. through the hoops. You can't have a whole economy based upon hoop jumping. Right. Well, especially <laughs> yeah, if the hoops don't apply to the job. The, yeah, it doesn't mean it's a good idea for the individual to drop out, but it does mean that it's a bad idea for taxpayers to encourage extra hoop jumping. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then now we're hearing um, – because if education really isn't necessarily worth it financially to the taxpayer – then, but now we're talking about certain states wanting to pay all the way through college for more and more education. Yeah, sure. Or like New Mexico trying to mandate college. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's oh, it really, man, Brian. You are. What do your fellow colleagues all think? Because you're like you're beating up the institution. Yeah, I mean, so me and my colleagues have all have always been very good to me. I have I have no complaints. I mean, really. Well, you know, like there's almost no professor in the country that said anything unkind to me. You know, I mean, there's some people who think that I'm crazy, but uh, you know, like, like it's all it's all been very civil. I mean, I mean, I say the, you know, this is this is the good side of higher education, which is that most of the time it's a collegial and uh, a collegial conversation. You know, you know, the stuff that you see shared on Facebook. You know, none of that none of that bad stuff has ever happened to me. I've got no complaints. Mm. Um, you know, but. Um, I mean, you know, of course, obviously, it is it is something where if people were going to take me more seriously, then maybe people would get angry at me. But you know, they realize, well, you know, who's going to listen to Brian? <laughs> no one's listening to Brian. What would you do? So, if we had a magic wand, Brian, and you could go in and fix the system so that it actually did, you know, create more value for taxpayers and really was more aligned to to deliver the skills people needed. Yeah, I mean, so there's you know there's two big things that I do. I mean, one is just cut spending to encourage people to get get fewer years of education, right? Which again freaks people out because they're always picturing one person not having the money for education rather than a whole lot of people not having the money. Yeah, and there's two very two very different effects. One, if it's just one person, then they're out of luck. But it's a whole lot of people. This changes what the degrees mean. Employers become a lot more flexible about who's who's worthy of employment. So in the same way that we've had credential inflation for many decades, we could have credential deflation, where once again you could get a good job straight out of high school. So you know, so just cutting spending is a big thing that I push. Uh, the other one is vocational education, especially for kids at much younger ages. Is saying that you know, there's countries like Germany and Switzerland, where when you're 13 or 14 or 15, and if you've never liked school, you find it super boring. They go and say, all right, well, how about we go and train you to do a job? What do you think about that? 
right? And I think you know that would be you know, a big improvement, especially for kids who just resent school and are unhappy in school. Um, right? And again, for taxpayers, you know, that's a much better deal to train someone how to do an actual job than it is to just help them get extra stickers on their forehead. It's true, and especially when you think of maybe this the way our school system is set up doesn't work for certain types of learners. So the yeah, certain learners are always suffering. Yeah, I mean, and of course, there's certain types of people who just don't like learning stuff that they know they're never going to use. Right. Me, like, you know, like, like for me, the, the whole school system has been pretty good overall. You know, because you know, like, I mean, I this I like ideas, I like culture. This kind of stuff is fun for me. But I mean, I've never been so blind to think that my feelings were normal. You know, like, you know, there's never been a classroom that I've been in where I haven't looked around and said, "Man, there's a lot of kids who don't want to be here who are suffering." And if they're suffering through learning how to read and write and do math, then tough luck because you have to know that stuff when you're an adult. But if you're suffering through a foreign language, like how many kids are ever going to use a foreign language? How many are even going to learn it to a level where it would conceivably be of any use to them? Oh, no, that's true. I mean, a lot of people at Brigham Young University have gone out and served LDS missions, oh, and oh, many. Oh, yeah, you, you guys are a very different story. You actually learn you, you actually actually learn language as well, yeah. so that you can go and do the conversion. So that's a totally different story. But thinking about this, if you're not planning on ever oh. going to a mission, that's yeah. the point. No, but but by the way, we come back and we all have incredible language skills, but very few of us would actually go work using our languages. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I forgot about that. So I was actually in a Mormon Cub Scout troop when I was a kid because my best friend was Mormon. So I've known Mormons my whole life. How great. Uh, yeah, you're you're nicest people I've ever known. <laughs> well, give true. us a minute. Um, <laughs> this is actually, Brian, I think uh, it's. I think some of us would be afraid because we're like, oh, boy, we need the institution to, like you're saying, to get everybody their stickers. But I think of like a I think of a teenage kid I know that already is coding. He's already you know moving way ahead in coding, and then he's still going to have to take his general eds in college, yeah, and then do all of these things to jump through the hoop to actually be coding with a degree. Yeah, that's right. So back in the seventies and eighties, there were a lot of self-taught programmers, and there was a big enough pool of them that they were still employable. But in the modern economy, people that are good at computers almost always go to college, and then again, this is, means that the opportunities for uncredentialed coders have been greatly reduced. I mean, I've talked to some friends in Silicon Valley, and they say, well, I mean, like, you don't have to have a college degree. There's people, we also hire people who win coding contests. And I say, yeah, what's the ratio of people you hire because they have fancy degrees to people that don't have degrees that you hire because they win contests? Like, yeah, well, we have like a thousand people with fancy degrees and five contest winners. Mm. So yeah, you know, basically, you have to, it's the old story. You have to be twice as good to do half as well if you're good if you're going to do a non-traditional route. And, you know, and what I say is a lot of what we're signaling with our education is just sheer conformity, just saying, look, these are the rules. I follow the rules. I, if, if everyone says you have to get a four-year degree, I don't ask why four, why not three. I just go and do that four-year degree. Hmm. Right? And anyway, what's striking is that a lot of the payoff for education just comes from graduation year, which if people were learning useful skills in school would make very little sense. It's like, what, do you withhold the useful skills until senior year until, in order to teach them? But if the main thing you're, you're doing is, not, is showing you're a conformist, then it makes sense because you know, like, you know, like, you know, someone who, finish, who does three years of college and drops out is really defying the system and saying, I don't care about the expectations of my parents, my teachers, my peers. And the way that you show that you are playing by the rules is by doing the normal thing. Four years in society, fine, four years. Other countries where you have three-year college, then the third year is important in those countries. Yeah. 
And, and it is. I guess it's arbitrary. It's some. It's, it could be two years. It could yeah, be one year. It's like, why do we wear suits instead of kimonos to interviews? Well, <laughs> you can either sit around asking that, or you can just do whatever is normal in your society and then get a job. It's, that's true. That's oh boy. And I guess too another uh, issue as the economist, you're saying. Um, I, I guess I, I assume we have to go to college to get the better degrees so that we make the more money and then the money would make our financial systems more secure. But as an economist, you're saying not the case? Yeah, I'm saying that if we have people at fewer years of school, the main thing would happen is you could just get a good job with fewer years of school. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, really, really, the effect is not a secure financial system. The, the main effect is, first of all, we waste a ton of taxpayer money. So again, total government spending on education is about a trillion dollars a year. Mm. And then we also just waste years of people's lives. You know, if you ever go and read autobiographies of people from decades ago and to see people that were already you know, very gainfully employed when they're 15 or 16 years old, they're you know, running companies when they're 20, you know, I mean, this kind of thing today sounds bizarre. But you know, like there's like there's no fundamental human reason why we why it can't be that way again, except that we've set up a system where if you drop out of school too soon, then everyone looks at you like you're a loser. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like the business concept of scope creep, where you start a project, hmm. but the more you're in the project, the bigger the project gets, and then it turns into twenty projects that we call one project, and it grows and grows. It's almost like we have education creep. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the real whole story of the last hundred years is more and more people going. And at, every, at any one point in time, you said, well, look, if we send one more kid to school, he has a better career, so let's, let, let's do that. But again, always forgetting that if too many people go to school, then the degree ceases to be very valuable, and then those people need yet another degree. There's an Internet meme that says, if everyone has a BA, no one does. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's a good one-sentence one summary of my book. That's so true. And now it's like, well, now if you really want to stand out, you need a master's degree. Yeah, a master's or PhD, a professional degree. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like it, it is a crazy system that we have boxed ourselves into, and yet it's so hard to get people to reconsider because there's just so much affection for education. And again, I understand that. I mean, like you know, when I when I see teachers today, they're super nice. I mean, like when I was a kid, there were some really mean teachers, but right. you know, they, they they seem pretty much gone now. It's yeah. Like you, even the gym coaches seem like human beings now. Uh, you know, not, not calling you a maggot like right. you know, what, what I remember. Take a lap, maggot. Right. You know, but again, that doesn't mean that it's a good use of taxpayer money just because they're really nice people. It really – it's a – I mean I guess that's – the point is you're not saying education is not important. You're just saying we only need as much as we need. We don't yeah, need yeah, – Yeah, I mean you know, like, yeah, yeah, like so you – know, like, like, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the, the subtitle of the case against education is why the education system is a time and money. It doesn't mean every single bit of it is a waste of time and money. But it just means like the whole system is, you know, like like is like burning up tons of you know of resources and time that could be better spent in other ways. You know, you know, so you know, like like you know, like if you were to go and try, you know, and and do you know ten loops around you know, around Salt Lake City before you get to your destination, you say, wow, this trip has been a giant waste. Right. Like, well, we still got to our destination at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, but there was a there's a much cheaper way of doing it. So why couldn't we just do it the cheap way? Do you think there's any possibility that will happen? Or is or is there also some market uh, function or structure that's eventually going to start pushing back on this? Only a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of people who are optimistic about online education. I am not. 
again, the main thing is when I, when I look at online education, it's almost all what you could call edutainment. Mm-hmm. Where you know, competes with blogs or or with just you know reading for reading for pleasure, it's not like someone does online education and then they say, well now now I don't now employers will give me a good job without college. That's very rare. And just the whole attitude of people studying online, and you know they they're doing it for entertainment, not to get credentials. And again, you know, like, and again, like if I'm right about the conformity signaling part of school. Then if someone were to say, hey, look, I'm going to go and signal up my conformity in a totally new and, a re- and weird way. I'm going to go and do it all online. You know, that doesn't signal conformity. It signals nonconformity. It's true. And I guess um, is there uh, – what can I do? I, I have a son, for example, that really has become self-trained and in a field in videography and um, and music and all of these different fields. And it can make a great living and, and will make a great living. Um, what what can I be teaching my kids to maybe make this more efficient and maybe push back the little way I can? I mean, does your son have skills where he could actually get a job or yeah. does he still need to go to college? No, to, no. You know, In like, fact, even going to college, he's already doing more than the professors teaching him what to do. So then possibly he could just quit and go and get a job. I, my suspicion is that he'll still get a better job if if he finishes. And since he's already there, probably isn't, isn't too much more effort for a kid like that to finish. Yeah. Um, again, you know, the main thing that I push for is, you know, like, you know, we have to change taxpayers' minds about, about what is a valuable use of their tax dollars. I mean, you know, like if I could get education spending to fall by 1%, I'd consider that a tremendous accomplishment. Because you know, me and people are so stubborn about this. So, I mean, if we could just get even a little bit of financial sanity around discussions of education spending and get away from the hyperbole of this is the most important thing in the world, every kid has to have the absolute best possible education. If we could just go and be a little bit more realistic, a little bit more calm about it and say, well, you know, like, we, it doesn't really make sense to try to give everyone the best because if everyone had it, then then we just need to get even more in order to be employable. It's such it's such a great point, and we see it all the time. Everybody has to have an education, and then uh, you don't stand out unless you have more education. So where does this end with all of us having two PhDs? Brian Kaplan, thank you so much. The name of the book, um, again, is The Case Against Education, Why the Education System is a Waste of Time and Money, Money and Time. Um, Boy, again, education's good. Having so much education when you're really not needing that much education, maybe just elevating the cost of the system for everybody and making it harder and harder for people that really have uh, great abilities and skills to do what they can do. Interesting stuff. We'll do a little Coach's Corner straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Are you boy, you too stupid to do what your coach tells you? Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Hey, you know where you might want to be focusing your education or some of your education would be on some relationship skills. It is Valentine's Day, for heaven's sakes. And yet, most of us, you know, we're more worried about getting our general ed done than actually learning how to resolve a conflict. If we were going to keep people in a university for four years, and think about that, why four? Why do we need four years of an education uh, in, in at a university? Why not three? Why not two? And why not push more of our general ed really down into high school? Why are those decisions the way they are? 
Um, and isn't it interesting, too, that some of the most important skills we actually need maybe aren't coming from um, the universities? For example, how many of our children really have a really deep insight into finance and credit and basic personal finance when they leave high school? Should that not be required so that they don't immediately get to college and get a credit card and get into debt? Shouldn't it be required that they take classes in conflict resolution, in social skills, in human development skills? How about emotional intelligence so that they're not constantly reacting and and having kind of reactive problems with people? Wouldn't that be valuable education? I mean, I have people that come and see me and they pay for education, but they're usually paying for it by the, when their marriage is disintegrating or they're paying for uh, other skills to manage their emotion and manage their focus and manage their anxiousness and they're paying for it for their children. But are you, our high schools aren't covering these ideas. They aren't covering these skills, these tools. They don't, there's, not a, there's not a curriculum for this. So – I, I'm with him. I'm with uh, Brian on a lot of this. That I mean, education, we've got to be careful. Education, critical and essential. We should spend our entire life learning and growing and gaining more and more skills and ability. I totally believe that. And I, I also believe we may not be doing it the way we want to do it and or the way that's healthiest to do it. We may not be doing it um, with the with the best interest of our students. I, I see people at this university that are dying because of a class that is uh, that shouldn't be destroying their life, and it's a general ed class so that they can just get their generals done. They're not even in their specialty yet. Should we require that the specialties uh, be uh, fields that can actually earn money? If if the government's going to have to pay to subsidize universities all over the country, shouldn't we make sure that when a student is leaving the, the university and they've spent all this money and governments have subsidized all these uh, these uh, degrees, shouldn't it um, shouldn't there actually be a, an outcome of financial benefit? And I'm not saying all education should just be about finances, but if the government if we're paying for it, anyway. It's a change. It's something we probably ought to look at. But what is it that you need to be growing? What is it that you need to be learning? And maybe instead of hoping that your schools will provide it, um, but you, we might want to push back on them a little bit more so they might even at least look at it. What what we might want to be doing too as parents is seeing if we can't try to teach our kids some of those other skills that they need, the relationship skills, the finance skills. Uh, I'd have better conversations about intimacy and sex with your kids. I'd have better conversations about technology use and uh, your technology devices. I'd make sure they understand how to protect themselves from what's online. I'd help them be sure that they're putting out a really good online presence and very clear about what employers in the future are going to be looking for. You know, just basic, basic stuff, not necessarily stuff we're teaching in school. And yet our kids still have 16 years of school by the time they graduate from college, at least minimum, right? Anyway, we will uh, continue giving you the tools that uh, help 
doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Up next, some, uh, some ideas about Valentine's Day. Yes, folks, Mowage. Valentine's, it's what brings us together today. Uh, <laughs> we love Valentine's Day. You can, I can't get Terry to shut up about it. He is so enthralled uh, writing cards. I think he's got all of his Valentine's Day, all of his cards ready for all of us. Mm, no. And then you're going to hand them out. We, that's what we should have done was make little Valentine's Day boxes. Hey, you got a card. I got like a a glitter bomb in my face. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Is that why it you're was all a little glittery? too much? That's kind of embarrassing. So, uh, who better to help us understand more what we can do for Valentine's Day than Mister Valentine's Day himself, our own little Cupid, wow. Terry South? Wow. <laughs> Dressed like one today as well. Put that on. I wore the wings. Those I are nice. The wings. The diaper's a little too much. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but I so, did again. I had some of this previously. Yeah. It's a list of little things you can do. Yeah. Maybe you forgot that today's Valentine's Day. Who? What? Maybe it just slipped your mind. Okay. This is a, a chance to do something small that might be significant in the day of your significant Oh, I love that. Right? That's great advice. So one is send a text that says, okay. like, thinking of you. I'm going to do it right now. I just did. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? Just did that right this very second. I'm gonna get. She's gonna go. Well, what are you doing? What are you? What are you trying? What like? What did you what, break? What? Who what, died? Who died? What's going on? <laughs> like something bad just happened. Um, this says uh, do an exercise that's like go exercise with her. Something that's her thing. Now I'm using the that's idea of her because yeah. bunch of guys in the room. Yeah. But if you're your yeah. significant other, whoever is special. That's great. If idea. they like to run, they like to rock climb, they like to go do whatever. Go with them and do their thing. Maybe you don't do that thing with them. Yeah, and share and, that time with them. And Make clean, it special. Hey, and clean up your machine when you're done with it. Do that. <laughs> yeah, wipe it off. Uh, tell her a good joke. Emphasis yeah, good. on the good. Which, yeah, Matt. Mm-hmm. A good joke. No, yeah, like yeah, I've got a lot of them. Just be careful. Got to, Notice he didn't single me out. Yes. Meaning all of my jokes are good. Uh, How about? Make a list of things which you're proud of her. Make a list oh, of yeah, things that yeah. you, make you proud of her. I love you because this, or I'm proud of you because don't, this. says don't be vague. Yeah, be very specific. Because you're nice. <laughs> you have pretty hair. You make the sun come up in my day. That's very Do specific. you do it in that voice? Yeah. Okay. Vacuum under the couch. <gasps> oh, that is romantic. Mm. That's really romantic. Okay. I already did this one. Make oh, she's gonna hear. Is she? No. Make a homemade card from the kids. Yeah, but that's because she knows where that came from. Right? Yeah, but, kids. but that's kind of your kids. That's not necessarily yours. My daughter's like one. Hey, she's the, not allowed to play with scissors, Matt. Come on, it's okay. the adult that does all the instigating. Yeah, these kids aren't gonna come up with that on their own, <laughs> right? Sure. Turn your phone off and spend the night together, <gasps> and just talk and listen and communicate. Give us one more. That one sound, more. That sounds rough right there. Just one more little bit of joy. Uh, let's see. Organize and clean up your space. Clean up your mess instead of letting her do it. Yeah, or or le- instead of letting him do it. Or, yeah, either way. 
Yeah. Whisper something sweet to her. Chocolate ice cream. Chocolate ice cream. <laughs> okay. That's great. We, we will be continuing with this advice throughout uh, the next two hours. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you love on Valentine's Day. 